0: Hello, and welcome to another episode of Grot and Guardsman. You join me, Benjamin Simpson, the Grot, today, along with... Yes, I'm back.
1: It's the Guardsman, Luke Hill. How are you all <laughs> doing?
0: <laughs> Finally! There was some stinking cultist creeping around! I didn't <laughs> like him! <laughs> he was scary!
1: Oh, cultist where? Let me illuminate him with my flashlight. Yeah, sorry <laughs> I've been gone so long, I've had work and other commitments, unfortunately, but I am back for, hopefully, the foreseeable future. It's a shame you missed such
0: a big announcement for Guard while you were here, uh, while you were gone, (laughs) or not here.
1: I know, it's so shit, isn't it? But, oh well. It's not the end of the world, and uh, as I say, I'm back for some exciting new content today, and I think we're going to be doing another feature episode fairly soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. We'll get straight onto our news, because that's kind of the point here. We have quite a lot of news regarding the... Adeptus Mechanicus codex release they pretty much to make up for the lack of the codex <laughs> it keeps being put back and back they are pretty much like spoiled and given us all the information on the codex
1: that's why we've got so much all out all of a sudden that makes a lot of sense if they're cheapishly trying to make up for not releasing the thing yet
0: well, I mean, that's that might be a slightly harsh way of putting it, but yeah, basically, I think. It's it's kind of keeping that hype going. Maybe not to make up for, but yeah, it's keeping that hype alive, keeping fresh, keeping the excitement for AdMech until that codex comes out and people can finally get their hands on it. So because this week there are so many new articles about all the AdMech stuff coming in the codex, we've decided that we are going to record another episode separately filled just with all the AdMech stuff, so we can go over our opinions on that and give all that to you in a different space where you don't have to listen to everything else if you just want the admin stuff. And if you just want the normal episode and everything else here, then you won't have to listen to all the admin things. And obviously, I think this is a better way for us to do it so you can just get the content that you really want. It's own little separate package. It won't be too big, but we'll summarize all that stuff.
1: Right, shall we kick off with the... Uh, where is it? The blight Space marines and the signs of Mars?
0: <laughs> we will skip over the blight. Because it's pretty much just the fact that all the Soulbite Gravelords announced on the very first day of Warhammer Fest are now available. Basically, so we're, we're not interested. It's. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of interested, but it is a 40k podcast. So, we'll um, we'll let you know that that's available if you want it, yep. but that's all we're going to say on it. And what we really have, like we said, is the AdMake stuff. The codex is available for pre-order, but it's still not out like we thought it would be by now. So, um, that's available. And we also
1: have the data cards and the yes. dice. So those are the kind of admin bits for um, ADMEC. Um, but there is, uh, there are more, m- well, not really more models, but there are models um, or model collections that have been announced. So we've got a new ADMEC patrol, which has a... Uh, <laughs> I'll go through it. We had this patrol spoiled a little while ago.
0: Can't remember if we actually spoke about that spoiler on the podcast, but it's it is as we thought it would be. We've got a tech priest who is leading a squad of scatari, who can be, you know, your standard Vanguard or Rangers. We have the Oniga Dune Crawler, which is a bit of a staple tank. They're really popular and see a lot of use. And we have a squad of Catathrons. Oh yeah,
1: that's what they're called, Catathrons.
0: So and cataphrons have seen a really big buff. They're going to be really nasty troop choices now, like really strong.
1: We did mention them a couple of podcasts back, I think, but they are looking pretty damn nasty. Yeah, we had to- when we were talking about the weapons updates, wasn't it?
0: Yes, exactly. We had the change to their weapons, and we spoke about that. Actually, this box—I think, with the exception of that tech priest—everything in this patrol has had improved weapons. All the rangers have better guns, rifles, and special weapons. The Onagers had its heavy weapons and stuff updated and become better and more shots and stuff. And then the
1: destroyers, sort of are all updated weapons as well. This is uh, going to be quite a force to be reckoned with. I was originally slightly upset at this patrol when I first saw it because it's a lot
0: of the old stuff and I wanted a few like new shiny admin models but I kind of understand why they've done that now if everything here has been buffed
1: <laughs> it makes sense also I think the point of the patrols is to give you a basis for an army basically they're replacing realistically they're replacing the stock Collector boxes they are Sorry, yes myself.
0: yeah and because the stock Collector boxes were unfortunately too small for a game in a lot of cases you had to buy two of them basically so it so, makes sense.
1: Yeah, I mean you could quite happily get five hundred points out of this, I reckon.
0: Yeah, almost. It's gonna be roughly that, right? Um, it'll be a patrol detachment, you could play conceivably play a small game with this. So it's definitely a start a better starting point, right?
1: Yep. So the only downside to this box I can see is I suspect it's gonna come out at eighty five quid. Or eighty quid eighty five?
0: They all are, right? All of the um patrol oh. detachments are.
1: They are, which I think is a bit steep personally, but I I guess you're still saving money. Um, So
0: in total, this box would come to about 130 quid-ish if you were to buy it all separately. So 80 quid is more expensive as a starting point than your start collecting, but it's still a good deal for all this stuff now.
1: Yeah, so it's 127.50 for everything, as you said about. And then uh, minus 85. You're saving £42.50. That's actually... I'd good savings. that is a very good yeah buy it, <laughs> and I'm sure you could get it
0: slightly cheaper from third parties as well. Uh, I'm oh, not yeah. quite certain how much the patrols are normally, maybe like seventy or something instead. So, so
1: yeah, I can't remember the last time I went on uh, Element Games, but
0: they're they're about that. They're, I mean, yeah, they they do tend to vary depending on where you get it, but there's there's a lot of places.
1: Yeah, about ten quid saving normally. Mm,
0: yeah, yeah, we have the Skatari Marshall who looks awesome. I can't wait to get my own one of them. He's very cool. He's now available for pre-order, so maybe I should uh, make my pre-order.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, there's not really a lot to say about this. Uh, all of this stuff is just mentioning that it's available for pre-order, basically.
0: Yeah, I know we managed to speak a lot about the, uh, the patrol box there, but uh, we've already spoken about this guy, so we'll, we'll move on again. Something else we've previously spoken about was the uh, 40k Mechanicus game, which I love and I've been playing a reasonable amount lately. It's now available on iPad as well, and, t- and tablets and things.
1: Yeah, so it's basically vo- available on mobile devices, which I might actually get it on.
0: Well, I've already got
1: it on Switch, so I'll be playing
0: it on that now. <laughs> but if uh, if you don't have it, I do recommend getting this game on whatever platform suits you. Even though it might be available on mobile devices, uh, it's definitely better than 99% of other mobile games. It's not a mobile game, let's be honest. It's a very good, well-developed game that they've ported down to mobile or... Two tablet I should say. So really good game well worth playing. Let us know if you want a proper review on this game. I'm happy to give
1: one. it's a mini series we could do like proper reviews on games but that'd be interesting wouldn't it? That's probably been done to death but whatever. If we want to do it we'll do it. Well, yeah, I mean when we when we last spoke
0: about this one um I hadn't played much of it. So now I've played quite a bit. Might be worth doing, especially while Ad right in the spotlight. Yeah.
1: Right. Moving on, we have the new Drakari Lilith Hesper. That's for mm-hmm.
0: So she's come out of Piety and Pain now And we can get her separately Which is great I think she was quite a popular character And it's a beautiful new Dark Eldar sculpt Where awesome. a lot of the Dark Eldar models are lacking
1: <laughs> Yes, so I think a lot of just Eldar in general Even even that corpse looks better than most of the Dire Avenger uh... <laughs> <laughs> on, <those> <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the corpse on her base does look
0: really good But uh, you're right You're very much right
1: Oh uh, yeah, please, G Dub, Elva. Um <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so she's-
0: no, she's she's awesome. Let's let's keep it positive. She's yeah. looking great. I'm glad glad to see her available separately. Sometimes we yeah. for some reason just don't get the characters available separately, and we're like, what? <laughs> so
1: I might have done this, but no, this is a good move. Well done, G Dubs.
0: Awesome, beautiful character. Along the same sort of vein, we see the entirety of the Kill Team box now coming available. So for the Necrons, that's the Chronomancer and the Flayed Ones. And for the Space Marines, that is the Gravity Armoured Captain with the Heavy Bolt Rifle. Yeah, he's just a, he's just a Gravity Captain, but then also the Heavy Incestors as well coming out. Yeah. Which, there's lots of speculation on whether these guys are worth it or not. And
1: I was going to say, there's been a lot of talk about whether they're worth, what is it, 37.50 for five guys? That is very steep but at the same time they're a very cool model and they do very much epitomize what a space marine should be to me so i might pick some up at some point whether they're worth it's entirely up to you i think that i love
0: the the guy that's got the heavy
1: bolter heavy heavy rifle
0: (laughs) yeah the heavy heavy bolt rifle (laughs) the rest of them i think are they look way too much like intercessors for me i'm not really seeing any difference
1: this is something that they've been doing with Space Marines. They've been giving them loads of different troop choices, and I don't really know why. Yes, they are troops. Wow, so they are basically
0: just intercessors.
1: <laughs> intercessors with, like, an extra wound and a bit more toughness.
0: Yes, they are, Yes, so they're, they're Gravis-armoured intercessors. And admittedly, not a bolt weapons, but... I'd want them to be more of a heavy support option, give them all those heavy bolters. That's what I want.
1: Yep. The thing is, I really like them. I like the sculpts. They just don't need to exist, as far as I'm concerned. You've got so many different marks of um, 10 armor now, it's just excessive.
0: I think the trouble is, they are pretty much, for all intents and purposes, just intercessors.
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Like,
0: they, they don't fill, fill any different ro- Sure, they can have, like, a heavy bolt gun instead of a grenade launcher. But they, they fill exactly the same role. They're just, for all intents and purposes, more expensive intercessors. Like, while they're all good they are not sufficiently different from a modelling point of view. Like, if you're painting it, it's just power armour and a bolt gun, again. And from a gaining point of view, I don't know if there's that much variation either. So... They're going to gonna have more staying
1: power, and I think their weapons have a bit longer range. Um, I'm
0: sure they probably will be better than Intercessors.
1: Yeah, they're, they're just heavier, longer-range Intercessors. So, I again, I don't see the need for these, but each to their own. If you like them, go for it. Yeah, I'd rather they did
0: feel a different role, like they were a heavy support role or something, but oh well. Shall we move on?
1: Yeah, Let's move on to something a bit lighter. Um, more combat patrols!
0: <laughs> <laughs> we have the announcement of the Necron and Space Marine combat patrols. Yes. Which is a bit of a surprise to me. I wasn't expecting more combat patrols to come out.
1: I don't mind it, because we've only got, not including the uh, ones that have been announced, we've only got six. True, there oh. are many in general.
0: Uh, and the Necrons I- didn't have one before this, did they, I don't think?
1: No, oh, and I don't think their stock collecting has been available for a long time either. Um, so, yeah, this is a big deal, actually, for
0: Necrons. I think connects. I quite like this one as well. We've got the Lord there, we've got Deathmarks, Mortals, Tomb Runners, and the Scythe, which I think you can build as, yeah, Night Scythe or Doom Scythe, either variant. So that's actually quite a nice variety. You've got all this nice infantry in the Lord, you've got your Fast Attack, and you've got your Flyer and things, so that's cool. And then, for the Space Marine one, this looks to pretty much be bringing the the Phobos armor Marines into where you can collect them at a reasonable price because now the uh the old big box that they were in will be going. so it seems to be a way to get those now.
1: yeah, I'm personally not very happy with this i I don't know I'm kind of being a bit doom and gloom, but that's that's my style uh I'm not very <laughs> happy with this patrol box to be honest i I personally really don't like Phobos armor. I know it's probably controversial, but I, I just don't like it. And um, I'd much rather have a more basic box, if that makes sense. Like, instead of having the uh, Phobos armor, I'd much rather have, say, 10 intercessors.
0: Well, I'll say what we've actually got here, right? So we have 10 of the um, infiltrators, or incursors, I think you can build them as, maybe? Yes. I think it's, well, 10 infiltrators, right? Um, You've got an impulsor to put them in. You've got the... Phobos captain in the front, three eliminators,
1: and... And three suppressors. So there's quite a bit in the box. I'm not going to knock the value. I think these are both going to be very good value boxes. I just don't like what's in Spice Marine 1 particularly. Well, I, I
0: don't mind most of it. Like I think the Eliminators are amazing with those camo cloaks and snipers and that vibe. They're really cool. The Repulsor is like a, basically a Primaris Rhino, so that's going to
1: see loads of use. The Suppressors? Yep. I've never used them. I haven't seen them being used. I, I don't know. There's a lot of debate over those, I guess. Depending on how much they cost, they could be really good at anti-heavy infantry or anti-light
0: vehicle. And fast units are a really big deal now. Just being able to get around quickly is massive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm not displeased with those. Um, But as I said earlier, replace all the stuff with intercessors and that would be diamond for me. I would absolutely pick that up.
0: Yeah, I think I'd rather just have intercessors than those uh, infiltrators. But I understand why they want infiltrators available in in a patrol. So there we go. That's that. And we have Dark Imperium by Guy Haley. That's now been moved to audiobook. Yep, always good. Uh, Great, I love to see things in audiobook and Godblight as well.
1: Oh yes, yeah, of course. Uh, so that's all—all uh, all very nice to have. Um... Yeah,
0: with uh, with Tom, our friendly cultist, we spoke about Godblight. Bit. Oh yes, yeah, and it looks like there's also a, uh, a very shiny limited edition. So that's we spent a long time just talking about pre-orders there, but. <laughs> a chunky news section oh we haven't even finished the news section have we <laughs> no we haven't we have some we have the far more exciting article in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> no, I, have
1: actually, I don't collect orcs spoilers but i actually am really keen on this character he's um, really
0: cool we're of course talking about zogrod wart
1: yes i was really happy to see that they dug this guy up out of the uh, out of the ether or the warp or whatever he was in Whichever backwards
0: orc planet he's been kicking around on with his super runts. <laughs> yes. We discussed this guy, I say we, meaning me and Tom, because we did that episode, so I don't know, I don't know how much we've actually discussed the, uh, the super runts and things, but we, we wow. had a shot of what we thought the rules might be, and now we can see what this guy's rules are.
1: Yes, um, I will point out, we, the uh, we, we did do a feature episode on orcs, file got corrupted, and we absolutely called pretty much everything that came out. Just, just yeah. going to leave that with you just to brag a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we did a very
0: good job of predicting exactly what was going to come out, and yeah. I think it's worth us re-recording that.
1: I was going to say, we were going to revisit that and make sure it doesn't die. But, just um, because
0: we're only halfway through the Orc range, like the, the new Orc releases. So we'll get that out as soon as we can re-record it and read it all up and everything. But for now, let's let's talk about this guy. Let's see how close our predictions were, so to speak.
1: Quickly <laughs> run me through what your predictions were. The super
0: ability here, which the actual one that I'm going to read out the news, is at the start of the first battle round, select one Gretchen core unit from your army to be Zogrod runs. Each time a model in that unit makes an attack, add one to that attack's hit roll. That unit can shoot while performing an action without, fa- without the action failing. So, um... This that is, is near stack. enough what me and Tom thought it would be. Now, what I was contemplating and saying, oh, maybe, was could he do it to any Gretchen unit? Um, and the answer here is no. It has to be a Gretchen core unit. Like, killer cans won't be core, mech guns won't be core. So, this is going to have to be Grot infantry, right? I think. So so mm, that that's kind of not as good um, but we were also thinking he'd do it sort of on the fly in your command phase like each turn he'd pick one or something in this case he at the beginning of the game one of the growth units you take are super runs that's good it means he can die it means he can leave them he can, you know, go and do other things, whatever. And then his super runs are still there, still
1: kicking ass. Yeah, yeah, I'd, uh, I certainly Actually, like that.
0: <laughs> Actually, kicking ass might be a bit of a stretch.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they are weakly slapping ass a little bit more effectively than grots normally can.
0: They uh, hit on threes and can shoot while doing actions. It's not a big deal. <laughs> so
1: they have absolutely killed space marines with grot blasters. So uh, I'm kind of a little bit worried about that one. Well, I mean, so let's let's really let's quickly talk about how useful this is going to be. So this ability,
0: shoot while performing actions. That's quite nice. I very much like that. It is genuinely really good. That actually, that's a way bigger deal for me than plus one to the hit roll. Agreed. Definitely agree. You can all. I mean, I unless the grot unit changes themselves, like the standard ones currently, you can get three up hitting anyway by having thirty of them, or more than twenty, I should say. So if you try and do, if you try and get the most out of this. That plus one actually makes no difference, because you no. would be getting it anyway.
1: Yes, it um, does. Because it's just adding it's add one to the attack's hit roll, so they'd be hitting on two pluses. But in Ninth Ed, nothing stacks. So <laughs> you, can, you can only
0: get plus one or minus one. So, uh, okay. yeah, it's cool. We'll forget that then. Um, yep. But yeah, so that part of it, I really don't care about too much. And also, it's only Grop Blasters. It's not like hitting on threes is that big a deal. I'm getting like a bunch of strength three AP minus nothing, one damage, 12 inch range shots that, okay, now they hit on threes. Like, it really doesn't matter. They're still only going to kill one space marine. <laughs> oh, probably not. Probably not, right? They'll probably still yep. fail. So, to, to summarize quite simply, that doesn't matter. But realistically, it probably will be like, just getting that shooting at all, you might get that wound, like, the, to get all the shooting or nothing, because you're doing the action, and you will be doing actions with the grots.
1: Well, that is virtually their point now, isn't it? That's what you take them for. Unless yeah. you're screening, is... mm-hmm. you're a madman doing a grot revolution army, which props to you if you're doing I'm that. so tempted. <laughs> You've got 20 uh, space uh, I have 400 grots. Have fun. <laughs>
0: I mean, yeah, like the grots are grots are awesome. They're such a good part of the lore and the Orc fluff and things. They need to be more usable in a combat role, which this is definitely a step in the right direction. Um, yeah.
1: Ah, like, I, I kind of agree with you, but I also think they should be shit. I've, I think they should be cheap. They need to be, you're right, they need to be shit. And the trouble with making them
0: cheaper is they currently do... They're currently really good if you take 10 of them to do objectives. For 50 points, they're amazing at what they do. The trouble is, they cannot ever try to perform any kind of combat role. So, yeah, I mean, if they come down in points, then they will be usable in combat role, but then they might
1: be too good for being like 10 mans. Yeah, it's a weird one. Um, I, I don't agree with making them better in combat, because like, even if you just make their... What, what strength is their weapon, for example? Strength 3. So, Grop Blaster String 3 and
0: Melee their strength
1: 2. So, if you increase the um, Grop Blaster power, you're suddenly wounding Space Marines on a 4, which you should not be doing with the Grop Blaster.
0: I agree. It's, if you it's so a very
1: better. difficult one to balance. And, yeah, and then, if you make the melee better, you'll be wounding, again, we'll go with the Space Marine, on a 5 instead of a 6. And, you know, look at those puny arms. You're not going to wound anything by like punching power armor with that.
0: I I totally agree. It's a very difficult problem to solve because, in general, the the you either have them as four points, which then makes them possibly too cheap for like objective things. I think that's probably the best way to go. Right, my solution would make Grots four points, but maybe an issue if you put them if you made them better. Obviously, they're not really filling their law role. They're they're too strong. The trouble is for five points at the moment, that you compare them to other things that are five points, which are just better at everything across the board. Like, every single stat is higher and better, and you're just sort of left in the position of going,
1: uh, why, this is just unfair. Yeah, I mean, they're the same cost as guardsmen, aren't they? Mm. And guardsmen are just flat better. And
0: poxwalkers, poxwalkers are just flat out better.
1: And not by a little
0: bit. Poxwalkers like they have the they have some stratagems and things you can do to put out like loads and loads of mortal wounds, and they are toughness four, so they're actually reasonably durable, and leadership is significantly better on guardsmen and postpu and things like grotz <laughs> honestly, like I, I want to bring up the fact that recently when we played, you fired like, like- <laughs> a character's bolt pistol at them, and then my Grotz ran.
1: No, well, to be fair, that was after I put two whole Space Marines without close combat weapons into them. Animation. But that was on a separate turn,
0: right? So, in terms of leadership modifiers, uh, that's true. That wouldn't have counted. That turn, all you did, so there were a handful of grots there, all you did was put like bolt pistol in them. And that was it. They ran. Yep. One character's <laughs> bolt pistol, and they're just like, we're gone. And the whole unit ran. And
1: it was like, ah. I mean, yeah, it's not like it would have won me the game or anything, but it was just, it just goes to show how crap grots are.
0: Yeah, I basically, yeah, like the, the three grots that I had left on the point or whatever, a, a single bolt pistol. Uh, I get that it's a bolt pistol. You should absolutely butcher the Gretchen you fire at. But then. It's only uh, one grot at the end of the day. They they killed one Grot. Grotts of should. Like, uh, it, I don't know. Like, Grotts need to have really bad leadership. But at the same time, it's kind of upsetting when one bolt pistol from a character. He didn't even bother charging them or anything. He just bolt pistoled them and ran off to do something else more important. And that's it. I lost the objective. Grotts are gone. (laughs) So they are horrifically bad. It's like for the same points, you'd be you'd be like very upset if your guardsman unit took a single bullet at them, and they're like, "Nope, we're leaving."
1: (laughs) So it's it's a weird one. If their five points is too expensive and four points is potentially too cheap, it's really strange. Yeah, yeah.
0: You almost need them to be cheaper if you're running lots of them. You almost need the first 10 to be five points. And then if you add more grots to the unit, they're cheaper. Because then, you know, if you're sitting loads of them on a point, you, you're doing it wrong. You you know, if you're using them in combat because, and you want lots, then it's it's fairer. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I agree with that, I think.
0: I don't know. Yeah. I mean, the, obviously, it's... It completely it's, is different from the way they do all points for models right now because it's different per number of, like per number in the unit.
1: But yeah, I, the the problem is, and this is a very good problem to have. 40k is just so diverse that you know you can't have everything perfectly balanced. It's <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's so hard to balance. Too much stuff in here. I mean, you've got what nine factions, maybe. Somewhere around the region, nine in 40k, 20 oh. something.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Keep up, <laughs> uh, yeah. No, they're literally like 20 something factions of what k now. Um, yeah.
1: are some of those sub factions like uh, Harlequins and Eldar or like
0: I mean, like I mean, Eldar and Delk, Eldar and Harlequins, I would
1: count in separate factions, so yeah, fair enough. All right, so yeah, we'll go with 20 something factions. There are they're... so many, it's I get that it's very hard to balance. 10 units per faction. That's still over 200 units that you've got to balance.
0: Oh, yeah, it's, it's not going to be easy.
1: It will be difficult to balance this game. Anyway, shall we move on? We've talked about how crap Grots are and how difficult to balance this game. But and also three. how Grots are really good.
0: Um, and we'll, I think, because later on we're going to talk about, a bit more about games. And then I will point out some of the places where Grots are amazing. But anyway, you're right. Let's move on. And we have his weapon, the Grab Zapper.
1: That's a cool name. I like that.
0: That's gotta be his giant
1: ass claw staff. Oh no, I reckon it's his pistol. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> Pew. <laughs> uh, well, um, we've got yeah. we've got the grab zephyr, which is his, looking uh, looking stuff. so cool on the model. I can't wait to paint that. That's awesome. Um, yep. Let's talk about its stats. We have strength plus
1: two, AP yep. minus three, damage oh. two. That is almost a little bit disappointing. It's like a worse power fist. So here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, you're right. It's actually uh,
0: so the damage too. It compares oh. to the power. Power fist is damage too. So, uh, that's, that's... but your thing, power fist orcs get a power claw. <laughs> ah, and a power yeah. claw is the three. Yeah, okay. Trouble okay. being, you know, you try and snip a marine and then you can't Rob. reliably kill the marine. It doesn't yes. matter if you do three damage. If you get lucky in roll one, then he doesn't kill a marine with his power claw.
1: So... No, I I, this is an improvement.
0: I know that people are going to shout kill saws because they're damaged too, but kill saws like, are in the meganops kit and a mech boy... Character kit. That's it. You can't put killsaws in everything because they, they don't really exist. The bits aren't there. It's like yeah. saying, oh, put eviscerators on all your space marines and things. Like, no, there's an eviscerator in, in the assault marine kit and
1: nowhere else. So you can't do it. <laughs> um, and you want me to buy like 20 assault marine kits or, in your case, 20 Mega Knobs kits?
0: Yeah, you, you don't want to be just buying Mega Knob. And even then, that's like Mega Armored Killsaw. It's not. The same, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, it's not the same housing. It's in. It's a part of the boxy. Exactly. They? It's
0: yeah. like trying to put like Terminator power fists on scouts or on space marines and things or oh, on guard. Great. It's like it, it won't work. It's but... like what we used to have to do and put marine bolt guns into guard. And to, just... yeah, I've got a bunch of guard, oh. guard sergeants converted up with scout and space marine bolt guns. So I'm happy to see this in some ways because that damage, the damage to, compared to D3, yeah, it's the same on average, but. Is reliable and reliable reliability is something that you really need for orcs right now every time i'm playing it's like it's so swingy i can i either do amazing i'm like yeah i butched everyone but sometimes it's it's the complete opposite and not just nothing
1: happens and i'm like oh yeah. right so mm. well another example for this kind of thing for uh, all of us imperium players is the last cannon. it's like yes i got a really good hit oh i roll a one and it survives oh brilliant it's mm. it's like, it's it's like Thing. It's like you in go your in... case, the problem
0: is a single shot, so a single bad roll is, is wasted. Uh, well, yeah, I suppose so. Um, I think the, the the damage reliability buff that's coming to Laz cannons from from the point of ADMEC, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, being D3 plus 3 instead of D6 damage, is a
1: big deal. Oh, that's going to make so much better.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, in this case, I think I'm very acceptant of 2 damage. The... the Real problem, I'd say, with two damage weapons is when people start having the whole lower damage by one ability. Because oh. all dreadnoughts and death guard you just this guy's basically now useless. He's he's yeah. one he's one damage. He he can't ever kill a dreadnought, it'll take him all game. He goes into some chaos space marines, he can't kill them, it'll take him all game. Like he's he's yep. then useless <laughs> in those cases.
1: But for uh, the most part, ninety percent of opponents this is good. Yeah, I mean, you're just going to have to pick what you throw. and You're not going to be chucking this guy at a Dreadnought, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, probably not. Probably but not. You are chucking this guy at a Dreadnought. Either things are going very, very well or very, very badly.
0: I, I think that there are... We we're in a place as Orcs where if someone puts down, like, a Leviathan Dreadnought or a Telemund Dreadnought or something... There's like maybe one method in the entire Codex that can really take it down effectively. <laughs> there's there's Ooh. barely any ways that's physically possible to win that fight. Which I hope well, obviously will change in the new Codex immediately. Orders Leviathan Dreadnought. Well, <laughs> actually, <laughs> Leviathans aren't that bad, like because they're I don't. I don't anymore. Saw. They've they've come down in, like they've come down in their power quite a bit and they're a bit better balance now than they were anyway moving on because I, I don't wanna, I don't want to move away from this guy like I still want to talk about him he's the point of this so something I'd address as, as well is that the the weakness of petrapal is this is only plus two strength and assuming this guy's strength five which is knob strength
1: then yep. that makes him strength seven mm, that's irritating point to be at because you're not going to be snipping spice marine it's not optimum is it
0: I think I wouldn't care too much if he if he was uh strength eight because then the difference between strength 10 and strength 8 is virtually negligible.
1: Um, yeah. The problem is when you've, when you've got something like strength 7, you're not double anything. So it's like Well, you're,
0: you're double guardsman and tau and well, you're like sisters
1: double guardsmen, but you're not over, you're not you're, you're over double, double guardsman but you're not double marines. It's like you're somewhere yeah. in the middle where you've got that extra pip of strength but it's not going to make any difference.
0: And if it was a times two power claw, you'd be times two like even gravis and toughest five stuff. Oh, yeah. So, things. Um, Minus three is the same as Power Claw. It's good. Like, it is a good weapon. The thing is, as well, though, I'm going to point out that he's a runt herd. His whole point is to be a support character. And I think his points, the points for a runt herd is currently like 40 points or something. It's really cheap. Now, admittedly, a runt herd right now isn't worth that because they just don't do anything. But yeah. if he's like along the same lines, like he's got this weapon instead of like the one attack grot prod or whatever it was that's useless on a current runt herd. Uh-huh. Um, he'd actually do things. So if he is cheaply pointed, he's actually got a reasonable sting in terms of his attack.
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's all all relative, isn't it? If he's mm. say fifty points, that's going to be a rather nice damage boost. I don't know if it'll be as low as fifty, but right. Like,
0: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of argument, yeah. If he was if he was fifty, then he'd be like an almost auto include,
1: right? Yeah. And also with his uh, next ability, which uh, is Squig Stopper, he's going to be very good at taking out specific targets does that make sense
0: so this Uh, is a big deal right so he's got the squig stopper ability at the start of the fight phase you can select one enemy monster unit that is within six inches of this model and roll 1d6 on a 2 plus that unit is not eligible to fight this phase until after all eligible units
1: from your army have done so i didn't read the monster bit so this guy's going to be like really fine against most things and then if you bring a monster he's just gonna be really good against it
0: I am really happy to see this because fights last is now quickly becoming one of the strongest things at all. Yeah. <laughs> like fights last is such a big deal. It's for, like, you know, if you charge this guy with a mon- like, or in general, if you charge someone that's with fights last and they have the ability to fight well, or you even put them next to something that can fight well, then you, you just can't charge them because you get killed like yeah. immediately. It's like if you try and it's it's like when the death guard terminators get the fight's last ability they will one hit anything that charges them so you yeah. just it just means that they're unchargeable and they're so durable at shooting that they're they're not really worth shooting either so <laughs> you know um it's like fights last is a huge deal if you put this guy next to something like something killy in in melee you support your knobs or something else then they just they, they the opponent won't be able to charge them with a monster because you'll just kill that unit the yeah. The downside of this um is two things firstly, it's on a two plus when uh, yeah, other I don't understand why we keep getting loads of on two pluses or on on something pluses if something's got an ability, can it not can we not just have the ability?
1: <laughs> I mean that would be nice, wouldn't it? I think um,
0: I think the space marine equivalent the the Justicar, or is it? The Judicar. Um yeah. I think he's just pick an enemy unit that fights last.
1: Okay, yeah. Right? Um
0: so at the end of the day, if if this is unreliable, then it's a pain
1: in the ass. I suppose right? the thing is and we will come on to this a little bit later. You you've just got to be willing to use things like command point rerolls on this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It um, is uh... if you don't take too many of them, that shouldn't be a problem, but Again, as we're going to talk about later, there are other things you might want to use your CP for. Admittedly, when they make it a two plus, I
0: think it's fine. It's absolutely fine.
1: Yeah, it's an almost guarantee.
0: It's almost exactly. It's not like it's a four. Plus. When it when it becomes like a four plus, you're like, oh, this is like I I can't rely on this at
1: all when yeah, it's 2 it's
0: just... plus you you pretty much still just use it as if you're getting it
1: yeah and then it will be you know kind of a funny talking point or very very irritating talking point when you don't get it but uh... the
0: overall i know i know i've mentioned that like it's a bit like it's a big deal but 2 plus kind of isn't so long as it's like a 2 plus and you can rely on it almost then it, it is good but the the real trouble with this in my opinion is the fact that it's only a monster
1: yes i will agree with you on that one i was surprised it just be a monster because
0: let's be honest how many Monster units, are there? This is amazing what? against Tyranids. If you're not Tyranids, then
1: like, I was going to say, aside from Nids and Squiggets, I can't really think of any.
0: Well, trouble is, like I When was the last time I saw an or play a field of Squiggets? Okay, apart from Nids, I can't really think of any. <laughs> <laughs> like, so, like, don't get me wrong, Squiggets are amazing, and I'm probably going to buy a Squigget now because I really want one. But then they're, they're not a big enough deal to, to point this out, and there's like. I think some of the tower battles are monsters, but it's not like they all matter for to combat. Maybe I think maybe like some of the primarchs and things and big characters might be classed as monsters. Potentially. I maybe like, like the- Gazgul and Gilman or Batarian yeah, or something. Are some of those Primarchs and things Primarch, like that? Or um, Demon Princes, that's what they're called. Yeah, Demon Princes Mike. Yeah, the trouble is it doesn't include vehicles. No. And it doesn't include elite troops. Which vehicles and elite troops make up ninety nine percent of melee units. So ninety nine percent of the time, you want to use this ability. It's just gonna
1: not be worth having. Like it's, you just can't use it. It would have made more sense to me if they included characters in this.
0: Yeah. So basically, I love it because fight last is so powerful. But then you just so, you, you never actually get to use it.
1: It's so specific, and it's. Whilst that's not even necessarily a big problem, it's so specific to a unit that's virtually never fielded. Mm. Unless you Yeah, I, I think that pretty much sums up. Like, I don't
0: think I've had a game of this edition yet
1: Well, my, my opponent has fielded a monster.
0: <laughs> God. So, just to, tr- yeah, just to put that in context, so if I'd had this guy this whole edition, it wouldn't have mattered.
1: And yeah, I have would- had,
0: like, at least half a dozen games, which I know isn't that many, but we've been locked down on things. So... Yeah. Like, yeah, basically,
1: it it's a really strong ability that once in a blue moon you'll use. I think the thing of it is for me, if he's well pointed the other things are going to make up for it, that's the thing, yeah, i'm I'm really holding out to the points on this
0: guy because they could like they could be like, oh, he's a fights last, and he's got good melee, and he buffs Gretchen. and like, you know, all these things, they could point him quite high. But then, at the same time, like it's all uh, really situational like will the gretchen do anything extra because of him will there be a monster his attacks still aren't actually that great he might not have that many like mm.
1: it'll all depend on his other stats and what else he's useful for i think we'll just have to hold out and see what happens in the codex when it comes out we
0: really will have to yeah wait for this guy's points because like he's 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 amazing he's awesome i want to field him like no doubt i'm gonna get him out and put you know put on the table but whether he's like competitive and whether he's actually good is kind of yet to be seen Uh, and the one last thing i do want to say as well is about this ability Uh i really hope orcs get fight last in another situation like another
1: method somewhere i suspect they will uh a way i can see it happening is possibly some kind of psychic ability yeah maybe Uh, maybe like maybe you cast it on an opponent's unit and that you know that slows it down, it's, or whatever law reason they want to put in there. I reckon, it'll yeah. It. it seems like pretty much every only
0: as they get a codex are getting some kind of access to making their opponent fight last. And I really want Orcs to have access to that. And if this is it, then we basically don't because it's only monsters with a specific character on a two plus. Like it's most units, we we just don't have access to. It's only monsters. So yeah. there's there's ways where this is great, and then the co- like you know, if that's the only way. That we can get that in the whole codex, then it's kind of lacking. We'll see, right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll,
1: we'll hold out on that one.
0: Overall, really happy with most of this stuff. Like the Gretchen ability is super useful because you'll be doing loads of actions and it makes a big deal. Makes a big difference. Uh, melee weapon is really good at supporting that.
1: Yeah. And um, at the end of that is another orc character. and uh, a Named orc
0: character, very nicely modeled. He's awesome. He's cool. Yeah. And then they, uh, they, they showed us a picture of the
1: 1994. I was going to say, <laughs> I think I'll prefer the 1994 one, to be honest. <laughs> he looks really good on that 20 mil base that doesn't look oversized at all <laughs>
0: and his ridiculous cartoon features and stupid pose oh. and oversized hand
1: <laughs> but
0: does hit different. this model is older uh, than us. Is <laughs> this, is, yeah, this, this model is just straight up older than us uh, it's, it's awesome, don't get me wrong, he's cool but of like totally different retro reasons I think a lot of people didn't know he existed before this So
1: yeah, it's, I think he's kind of as I said earlier, he fell into the warp and hasn't really resurfaced until now. So, mm-hmm. yeah, very happy to see him back.
0: Yeah, he's awesome, basically, and I love him. Yeah, so in our final paragraph here, it says that the. Uh, in case you're wondering if he's the only snake bite character arriving, he's not. <laughs> you can't just have your force led around by knobs and smashes squigs. So, absolutely right, we're going to get more characters. I guess this is alluding to the war boss model that we've been talking about. The big snakebite warboss model with the big skull on his shoulder,
1: the huge oh, cleaver, yeah. that guy. Um, and are you talking about the one with the little grot with the machine gun on his shoulder? Actually, it does say, if I read this out
0: specifically, so I'll, I'll just read the paragraph because it's very short. It says, Oh, and in case you were wondering if he's the only snakebite character arriving in the new Codex, he's definitely not. After all, the squig riding side of the beast snaggers can't just have a few knobs on smasher squigs leaving them around, can they? So actually it says it says the squig riding side of the beast snaggers. So quite likely this will be a character on a squig, so maybe not that war boss.
1: Actually not. Oh, it'll be interesting to see what that
0: is. That could be that could be awesome. Maybe we'll see like another a, a war boss on a Squig, or it could be a HQ variant of that chariot. Oh. Orcs oh. don't tend to have HQ vehicles, but this could be the first Orc HQ vehicle. oh I mean I mean no because of the war trike. But <laughs>
1: yeah, that could be a very interesting option.
0: There's yeah, there's not many orc HQ vehicles. It's, it's not as popular as, you know, like other armies in some cases. But yeah, so HQ vehicle. It could be that big sled, an option that, or you know, we'll wait and see. That'll be really exciting in what, two weeks. So
1: yeah, we will have that to look forward to.
0: There we go. And on to the main non-use topic for today's podcast. We are finally getting back to a world where you can meet people and game. <laughs> yes,
1: the plague is lifting. We can, in the UK, legally, as you say, meet up and uh, hit each other's plastic models. This is a a glorious uh... event. And, <laughs> and to mark this event, we are going to be talking about basic but you know fairly integral
0: strategies. So what we're going to be talking about today is giving you some hints and tricks that aren't like super basic they're not like basic necessities of how to do this how to move how to play the game but neither are they like super top tier competitive meta things that are unreasonable in a casual setting so it's just basics of how to improve your game and play well without being ridiculous or unfair
1: yeah they're not they're not massively complicated and you should really be thinking about them throughout your entire game but they're not set out for you almost So shall we kick off with, uh, I believe the first one is screening and what that is.
0: Yeah. So the concept of screening is a method of protecting your more important units. Now, this will usually be characters and big killy vehicles, but you might also be screening elite infantry or anything that you really want to survive. And how this works is you take a cheaper or new, more numerous unit that you don't mind losing. <laughs> yep. And you pretty much spread them out, at least to an extent, in front of the, and in reasonably close proximity, the, the unit you want to protect. Now, this isn't just to protect things, there are other uses for screening, but it's pretty much the arrangement of moving that unit. And to to give you a few examples so it's clear, we're talking about using things like Tactical, technical marines or intercessors or scouts oh, for space marines. Yeah, like you say, guard or grots or boys or
1: hormigants or termagants or any of these units. Your cheap baseline infantry that aren't realistically going to be doing a huge amount towards destroying your enemy, but they, you know, this is kind of their main use. Even, I know stretching it, but even custodes you can use
0: in certain scenarios to screen things because it's really, it, this, it's not about what they are that you're putting down, it's about the positioning of them and the fact they're there. Screening pretty much only exists to block opponent movement. That's what we're really talking about here. Putting something there to get in the way of the opponent. We had a game a while ago. It was a really simplistic game at the very beginning of ninth, where we were thinking about, we were just trying to get the basic ninth head rules under our belt, so to speak, and think about how they worked. And we played two games. And in the first game, I rammed my Megatrack scrap straight into your Dreadnought and killed it.
1: Yes, that's right. In
0: turn one, you didn't get to do anything with that Dreadnought and at, uh, 160 point or something? Uh, yeah, 150 dread, point. Model. 150 point model in 500 points to lost at the beginning of the game like that. Yeah, yeah it, that cost me the game. It okay. cost you the game. Yeah, it straight up cost you the game. And then we played again and you screened out your Dreadnought using some tactical marines. And then that turn, all I did was kill three, four, maybe the whole unit even, but yeah. it didn't really matter because it was... You, you screened it out with some tactical marines and it saved the Dreadnought, who then immediately killed the Scrapjet.
1: Yeah. yeah. So so even if you lose your screening units, that's kind of what they're there for. They are there to take the hit instead of your main killing units.
0: Yeah. So you, you just want to spread out in front
1: of them. <laughs> Don't let anyone anywhere near that important unit. Don't let them melee it. Yeah, even if it is a melee unit, like with the Dreadnought... um, I can't. Oh, I think I was playing. No, I was playing um Imperial Fist, so they didn't have any melee buffs. But it is a mainly melee unit, the Contemptor Drunknul, and uh, even just screening it out so that your enemy can't charge it, and then you charge. It's it's very important to do keeping
0: yeah. keeping your unit safe from charging enemy units with screening is a big deal, and it's not just the the your big things that you want to be screening. You also want to consider maybe screening objectives and things.
1: Yeah, agreed with that. If if you can block an enemy from getting onto an objective, even if you don't hold that objective, you are taking victory points away from them.
0: Yeah, blocking opponents off objectives is just as important as you keeping them and things. And I'm also going to point out that when I play my evil son's speed freaks army, then I... Or even when I'm playing any mechanised force, if I'm putting Guardsmen in Chimeras, or if I'm putting, you know, Sigatari in... The Scorpius is or something. Basically, there's there's only so many routes that you can take with your vehicles because there's there's gaps between scenery that you need to get through. And if you simply you've got if you've got 10, 20 guys, you can spread them out a bit. Obviously the Conga line's no longer allowed, but you can spread them out more. And all you have to do is make sure there's not a gap. Oh. And you don't even have to be touching the scenery. The the enemy model at no point in its movement can get within an inch of your model. So if you're you can you can be three inches from both buildings, put a line of models between them, and then enemy models can't enemy vehicles just can't go past you. And when people do that and I'm playing with my speedy army, it stops me from getting things like engagement all fronts, because I can't zoom through the gap into yes. the back of their deployment and score that or zoom into, you know, the No Man's Land or whatever, and into different areas. And it's, it's not even an objective in that case. They've just denied me my secondary objective by blocking me out of their area of their yeah. deployment.
1: So we had an, another game fairly recently. In fact, we had a couple of games. The first one, you were able to get engaged on all fronts because my screening, again, wasn't very good. And then in mm-hmm. the second game, I absolutely made sure you were not getting into my territory. You were not going to get engaged on all fronts. And I think you only got engaged on all fronts on maybe one or two turns.
0: Yeah, I think I got four points out of Engage on all fronts that game, which, and it was, it's a surprise because usually I near enough max out engagement all fronts. I've got so many speedy units that can just boom drive over and grab that board quadrant this turn. It was a board we were playing on sh- sh- thin deployments, so it was uh- a long board. And there was a thinner area for you to, yes, that didn't play in my favor. And you could put marines across that whole board basically, yes, wherever I tried to zoom
1: in, lots of bodies. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it was really effective. And as you say, it stopped you getting your secondaries for most of the game. So realistically, you will have denied me about
0: 10 points across the game by just screening out your half of the board,
1: yeah. And that didn't didn't hinder my gameplay in any way, shape, or form. I was able to try and do what I was trying to do, it just you know, it was a net benefit. it just benefited me, and mm. yeah, I, I, I haven't really put that into very good words, but basically it did very, very good for me, and the rest of my game plan, and uh, for Ben, it completely trashed one of his secondaries, so it's a, definitely a thing that you need to consider. Yeah. If you could have some units that are specifically designed for it, Marines aren't a very good
0: They're not the best example, but like screening is something that you should always have bared in mind, no matter the army you're playing, because like I said, I played, I played against some Custos recently, and even then, there was an opportunity where they could just fill a gap with custodes. There was there was a small gap that I wanted to run some boys through to hit something else important, and they just filled that gap. There was a small gap between buildings or whatever. They moved a custode unit in it, and it you know it, it's not like that they sacrificed that custode unit. It just meant that I couldn't fight the thing I wanted to. Yeah,
1: yeah, but what I was going to get at—I um, mean, I totally agree with that. But what I was going to get at more expensive elite armies like marines and custodes. When you get a unit, you need it to perform a couple of roles, whereas something like Grotz or Guardsman, very well, conveniently, <laughs> Grotz or Guardsman. Hey! You know, you can take those very specifically, as cheaply as you can, just to fulfill the uh, screening yeah. role. Like a squad of Guardsmen with Lance guns is, what, 60 points maybe? If that. Yeah, yeah, depending and how you take chuck- them. Yeah, they're cheap. Yeah, you can take them purely for the purpose of screening your bigger killer units, and you haven't really lost anything.
0: Yeah, basically. I mean, obviously, you'll take them for like objective-grabbing things as well, but yeah, at the end of the day, they're yeah, um, yeah, of course. it's a big deal. And I, there's, there's another thing that I definitely want to bring up as a talking about before we move on from screening, which is screening out people's reinforcements and deep strikers and all of that I've mess. Um, tactical tactical reserves. reserves. Stopping those. We will come on and speak about tactical reserves specifically as well, but just basically bearing in mind that there's a 9-inch bubble around your unit where opponents can't enter the battlefield. So if you have a few of your backline things spread out to an extent, blocking off the back half, like your board, basically, um, your board area, think about what your opponent has in reserve. It's it's very often worth having things in reserve, and a lot of people do it. So obviously you don't need to care if they don't, but when someone has something in reserve, think about what it is, think about how they're going to bring it in. If, if it's like proper deep strike, then they can put it anywhere on your board edge, and you need to really screen out hard to stop them from getting a great position. In other cases, maybe it's just tactical reserves, you know they have to come on from a board edge, so you can just screen out the, the board edges a bit more, and stop them from getting a unit in a really advantageous position, so they end up basically just dropping it in their own deployment late.
1: I mean, something else to consider is if you can stop them from deploying it anywhere, which is going to be a hard task, but if you can Absolutely, just deny them the board the entire game. That unit counts as destroyed, and you get you know points towards any secondaries that you. I don't really think that's think particularly possible because you screening up the whole board is basically
0: <laughs> an impossibility. I know there's there's one or two scenarios where people have done stupid things and managed it. Yeah, I
1: guess so. But if you're taking a large horde army and you do very well, you can potentially. You'd need to
0: have your okay. army arranged perfectly round. I mean, it, it would have to be like the edge of the board for strategic reserves. <laughs> if it's proper deep strike, you physically can't cover the whole board, I don't think. I mean, unless you're running like a grot only army.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, if you have enough bodies, you can potentially do it, but yeah. And
0: they're, they're always going to be able to deploy in areas they control, right? So it's kind of, they'll be able to deploy it, but that's obviously not what they wanted for that unit. They've ended up just, in some cases, like spending CPs and time and effort to just like have the unit arrive late. Yeah, if they don't get anything yeah. out of it. We'll talk about more about the use of tactical reserves, but you can basically make the reason they took the tactical reserves pointless a lot of the time. Yes. So any other any other um, points before we talk about
1: uh, our next tip? Uh, I can't think of any, no.
0: Cool. So moving on from screening, I want to talk about objectives and specifically OBSEC, Ob-Sec yeah, objective secured, which has a lot of different like rules technically. like Every army has some units that have obsec due to some rule or another. It's basically if you have models on an objective and your opponent also has models on that objective, whoever has more objective secured models holds the point. Fairly plain and simple.
1: But it's a really big deal. Just to quickly clarify something, if you both have models that don't have obsec on there then it's just depending on how many models you have. But even if I had, say, 20 goldsmen and you had one Oh, Guardsman's a really shit example. <laughs> if I had say 20 twenty non-obsec models, and Ben had one obsec, mm-hmm. then Ben would control that because he has obsec. I can models, have a so unit
0: of twenty orc knobs smashing about on a point, and then you can run a single guardsman up to that point, and you have the point because Guardsman's yep. obsec and knobs aren't. So it's, it's a little bit silly, but it does make a certain kind of sense. So let's think about how we want to be using this. Um, it's it's a really important rule. Mm-hmm. it's It's very tactical decisions you can make to make the most of your objectives secured. There's going to realistically be if uh, there's there's four to six objectives in a game, and yep. there's going to be two to four of those in the middle of the board. Now, objective secured is less important for the back objectives because a lot of the time you can just screen the enemy out of them or keep them away through other means, and it's, it's easy to hold those objectives. But the middle ones, the opponent will be able to get models to, just like you. You're both definitely going to be sending some models to those objectives if you yes. want to. So a lot of what now is a scrum for the middle objectives, mm-hmm. and then, you know, whatever. Having an obsec unit ready for each objective, in my opinion, or each objective in the middle of the board that you're both contesting is a really big deal. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. On those like turn two or three or whatever, where you're both sitting in the middle, if you hold the middle because you're OBSEC and the opponent doesn't, you've won the game.
1: Yes, very much so. Um, I yeah, mean, pr- pretty, pretty much, much right? That. <laughs> 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 I know I'm saying yes and I'm um a lot, but as you've summed it up pretty much perfectly, you've, if you have OBSEC models in the middle and your opponent doesn't, mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're looking pretty good. Um, so it's very important to dedicate some kind of OBSEC models um, or ob- OBSEC units to taking those middle objectives. You um, can
0: really abuse this with some of the fa- sub-factions that give all your models or all your infantry obsec. Then you can deep-strike elites in certain places and jump characters in certain places, and then objectives secured. You do it.
1: I was going to say, if, if you have some proper deep-strike models like Assault Marines or what the Orc one's called. Commandos. Uh, no, the uh, jetpack. Oh, Stormboys. Boys. Yeah, Stormboys. If you have something like that, you can just... I don't literally...
0: think Stormboys Boy's properly Deep Strike, but they're very quick, and you can just jump them over. The Salt Marines and Storm Boy's... Yeah, you'd need to have a faction rule to make them obsec. Yeah,
1: yeah, but, yeah but you could. You can <laughs> you very easily just take mm-hmm. the enemy's back objectives off them. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Um, and comboing into
0: tactical reserves again, if you do put an obsec unit in tactical reserves and then just bring it on from the back, even like 10 Gretchen, if you just run that onto a back objective, then... Array. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the, like, you know, the opponent's probably not using their objective, like, objective security units on their back objectives. So then, like, even 10 Grots can run onto it and take that objective off them, which is even something worth considering for some of the, maybe for like banners high, the banners race high secondary objective. Because if you lose you the objective that you have a banner on, then your banner's gone, meaning you can just take it for even a second with the OBSEC unit. And then when they take it back, they have to re put the banner up and it takes more time and effort and stop shooting and things
1: so yeah there are a lot of applications for uh units and bringing them on in the backfield and all that. yeah
0: absolutely and something you can do quite often your troops you're like oh uh, yeah obsite's fine but i don't want to engage i don't want to get in their face in melee because my tengars will be horribly slaughtered by all those old boys or by those space marines or by those tyranians or whatever now one thing that you consider is that you don't necessarily have to be a melee if there's an objective that the opponent has sort of run up to and just about got some models on, and they've got four, maybe, of their unit there, or even if it's like one or two of their models or something, they might not necessarily be so over the point that you can't get there. There might be cases where you can run models in range of the point and not in melee, melee, exactly, because you only have to be one inch away from the enemy to to be...
1: Each objective has a three-inch bubble around
0: it. Three, yeah, yeah, um, or six-inch, yeah. you know, like diameter. So, if the opponent yeah. on had just about made it and got like four guys on, which uh, you know that's arguably not even just about that, you sort of made it. Then you can go up and dump ten guys on the point, pretty much. Yeah. You can take, you can go up in line with the objective, and then, yeah, hooray, <laughs> you hold that. Yeah. You can shoot them, and then, sure, they might charge you after. But then, if you want those Overwatch, you might be able to get in a defensive position or something.
1: And even if not, you have just denied them points. You've
0: absolutely denied the points. And if it's a cheap unit like Guardsman, like we were discussing, then amazing. Like Gretchen, then amazing. You've you've taken those points off the enemy.
1: Yeah, I, I can imagine that Guardsman with a uh, maybe a flamer is going to be a very good build for that kind of thing. Cheap, you can pretty yeah, much like throw a
0: sixty-ish a point unit Guardsman flamer. Throw him in, flame them if you t- take the objective that turn and if they die well nah. <laughs> they've done their job you only really have to take objectives like that for a few turns in the game to start denying your opponent loads of primary if you did that across the board on two turns you've done it yeah so yeah you don't you, you know an object secured again like you know they could have loads of models and on a point, but if there's just about enough room for you to get a single OBSEC model on the point, if they don't have OBSEC, you've done it again. Like, <laughs> you don't have to charge that. So, if you don't want to charge, you don't have to, but you can be aggressive <laughs> and you can take these points.
1: Yes, very well worth doing and very well worth considering. So, uh, yeah, OBSEC use it. And while we're also talking about objectives, there's some more general like objective based tactics
0: you can use with just model placement and things which are, uh, to start with, you can... One thing I love to do when I'm running mechanised armies like I spoke about earlier is I can move in and then where an objective is nearby an impassable terrain piece that you can't climb through or anything, park the vehicle somewhat up against the terrain piece.
1: Uh, yeah. And create oh, yeah. a physical barrier to the... Uh... I
0: mean, it's basically just screening. And you could do the same with a troop unit, but mm-hmm. the opponent is probably going to be a bit less reluctant to charge the troops or something. It, it, it yeah, obviously a... depends on the scenario. The thing, you, can, you can abuse the toughness of a vehicle. If there's a basic unit of guardsmen that was going for that point, or intercessors that were going for that point, or something that's not amazing against a high-toughness model, you can just sort of park your transport in the way of them, and then they either spend ages going round and sort of mucking about and they don't get the point, or they charge your vehicle, donk it for a wound, you don't really care,
1: and then you've still managed to keep them off that objective. So, yeah. Very effective use of things like transports that once they've delivered their cargo aren't going to have much use on the battlefield anymore.
0: You can, yeah, it's a way to make really good use, just blocking, screening out. Depending, Obviously, depending on the size and shape of your transport, but some of them can be reasonably big. And depending on the angle the enemy is coming from, like I say, you can, you can pull in the way between gaps and build, buildings and things and just stop the enemy from being able to get on that objective, which is super handy.
1: Yes, yeah. so very nice.
0: Again, one of the things I think people struggle with is taking an objective with a shooting unit. And one thing I want to point out is that you can try to draw enemies off of objectives. It's it's a fairly rare scenario because there's two two weaknesses to it. Firstly, you need to sort of have the the numerical advantage to some extent over the enemy. If they've if they've got loads of units, they don't really care. They'll just charge you with something else or put something else on the point. But uh, and the second thing is, it takes a l- takes longer, but you can position a unit basically to make the enemy in their turn charge at your unit off the point, off the point, and leave the point. Now, it's obviously not ideal because you let them for the turn that you're going stay on that point and they hold the point, so they've done it. But yeah. especially against something like Custodes, where they barely have enough models to hold each objective or something, if you just manage to drag them away then you can pop something smaller, meaningless on that point while you just fight the engaged somewhere else. So try and just persuade them to move them off the point. And if they sit on the point, if you're a shooting army, you can just bombard
1: them with fire. Yeah. You just keep shooting them until they either die or decide to move.
0: Yeah. If they're like a, a melee only unit or don't have much shooting, then obviously by sitting on the point, they're not getting much use out of it. So you can just shoot them. And they're like, Oh, well I've wasted the 200 points of melee. Like a, terminators assault, you know, or something like that. You just sort of sit back and laugh. Which the obvious massive downside is you're giving away objective points, which will lose you games. Sometimes, you know, you can you can sort of play it by ear, see how the game's going, see if this turn specifically you can make do without this one objective. And because you know, like throwing a unit into them will just get them killed. So maybe the best decision you have, if, if it's not a case where you can take that objective, like pretty much no matter what you do, one thing you can try to do is try and drag them off of it. Try and persuade them. Well, either you come to me or you, get or you get shot and die. Yeah. So it's something you can do. It's not an amazing strategy, but it's it's just something worth considering. Sometimes it's the best or only option out of bad options. <laughs> Another strategy is that something I want to talk about maybe later on is sort of that 40k is now almost a game of trading. You have to trade units wisely. Which And what, yes. I, what I mean by that is you see something in a vulnerable situation or that you can kill by throwing one of your units into it. And you move in, maybe onto a point, and kill it. Now, the opponent, big sad, you've killed my unit. Like, congratulations, you got them. But, realistically, you've just charged into the enemy's ranks. Yeah, and they have... you lose that unit to so your enemies, either fire or melee. Exactly. The enemy's going to have a unit ready to charge in and just give you a good slapping, or just shoot you off at that point immediately at close range with stronger firepower. Because quite a lot of weapons benefit from firing up close. So, you, it's a game of, yeah, throwing units into each other's stronger areas and then the other person wiping that unit out immediately. So, you've just swapped basically, swap the unit that you give them for the one that you kill on the charge. One thing you can do is, in this case, you can have a unit that's durable on an objective or if you can't quite reach an objective, but you can solidify your sort of presence in the area, then you can make their part of that trade when they come at you weakened and not worth it. So either they just about make it to an objective, but then they can't charge you or whatever, and then you move forward to swamp that enemy and you take your half of that trade, so to speak. Yep. Or if you have an enemy on that, a unit, sorry, on that point that you either don't care about or is really durable, then they'll come in kill it. So if it was like 50 like fifty points of Gretchen, you move in, take the point off me, kill the Grots, and then I wipe out your 100 point man, like, intercessors, or your 150 point whatever, yeah. then I've made a really strong trade there. And also yeah. in this scenario, if they move on to the point and then you wipe them off of it, they actually get no points for that. They have to hold an objective to get any points for it. Yeah. So the downside is obviously that they, they might take it at some point. Maybe if you've got a durable obsec unit, they don't even take it. But it's something that you can use. You can you can try and draw them into an area where they're weak, but they have they want to go because of the objective, and then swamp <laughs> and destroy them. So yeah, as yeah. as it's or maybe maybe to an extent, it's the fine line of not making them so scared to plow into your objectives,
1: but making it so that it's kind of tempting. But yeah. you know, that you'll be able to either take it back or your, your unit is going to stay where it's supposed to.
0: Mm-hmm. That fine line of making them think it's worth it for them when you actually have, you still have control of that objective.
1: Yes. And of, of course, this is all subject to dice rolls and things like that. It could go, you know, either way. But mm-hmm. if you can walk that fine line and do it effectively, you will be, you know, winning a lot of games with it.
0: Yeah. It's some, or at least you, you can get extra few objectives on primary and things.
1: Yeah. Or doing a lot better in, in your games rather than winning them, I suppose. But. <laughs> Yep. Yeah.
0: Anything else? Objective based. I know it's very generic, but there's a objective based sort of hints and tricks. So is there anything else that you're thinking? Objectives? Uh, not that I can think of. I mean, we've obviously discussed a lot there.
1: We. Yeah, but... I think we've pretty much covered objectives as well as we
0: can. <laughs> so let's uh, let's chat about tactical reserves. What do you what do you make of tactical reserves? What do you think their uses are? What do you think the best ways to make the most of them are? And all th- all things surrounding tactical reserves.
1: That's a very good. Question. So tactical reserves are a they're are either going to be really good for you or completely pointless or or not completely pointless but largely pointless. So a good use for a tactical reserves, so for instance, might be say bringing in a large killer unit onto your enemy's backline, getting rid of some of their artillery pieces or some of their long range shooting pieces. Uh, it could be shoring up your defenses if you need to drop say assault marines onto an objective or near an objective. Um, that's getting swamped just to go and push in and give a bit more punch. Uh-huh. The, the problem with tactical reserves, and this is kind of a pseudo-problem, is that your enemy can screen, certainly to begin with, can screen quite effectively and force you to drop your attack reserves into your own backlines anyway. But in a certain way, that's almost a benefit anyway, because if you've taken some kind of attack reserves and you've forced your enemy to screen, you've made them almost play to your rules a little bit. you force them to spread their units out fair amount.
0: Yeah, you've, you've forced them to spread out, weakening their castles, you've forced them to not be as aggressive because they're defending their own backlines. So. Exactly. I mean,
1: yeah, it's it's a difficult one, um, but it's one that I would say is always worth taking because purely because it stops your enemy from doing exactly what they want with their units. Yeah, in 2,000 e-
0: points, I absolutely agree, you should have something in reserve, and I, I largely agree with you, and I think you've hit on a lot of the points I'm about to make in some manner, but I think there's three uses that you can really make the most of our strategic reserves. And if you do it, then it's well worth it. If you fail to do any of these, then you've basically failed with your tactical reserves, in my opinion. And these three use- uses, in my opinion at least, <laughs> are firstly, the, 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 the least significant of them, but you can use it to just keep something alive. If you know at the beginning of every game, you put down a model and then it gets shot off the table, then... You know, you can look, and if there's no nice, safe place you can put it, you can still put it in tactical reserves. So I haven't ever considered that.
1: That is a uh,
0: yeah, that's a good point. And I think a lot of people have sort of said this with Gazgul, Even though the Gazgul is really survivable, he's kind of slow. So by the time he gets to the enemy, he's lost maybe like over half his wounds or something. So what some people do is, and you know, it takes him half the game anyway to get there. So people are just willing to have him get there at roughly the same time on full health because he just comes in at that point from strategic reserves. So so keep things alive, maybe. Um, and there's a lot of cases where that's something you want to consider. Something that, you know, people know is very aggressive, very killy, very useful to you, whatever manner, and they kill it. You can survive with it. And it's it's kind of expensive, maybe, to just make that thing a bit more durable by paying CP to do it. And in some cases, it gets it off the table, so you miss out on firepower and things, which is kind of a shame.
1: But yeah, if it's something that you need for like, later game and it just keeps yeah. getting killed, yeah, it's definitely worth...
0: Yeah. So overall number 1 survival is a decent use of tactical reserves my second one is victory points N- no no shadow of a doubt if you drop a unit to perform an action so dropping a cheap unit of guardsmen or grots or something just to deploy scramblers is is a massive deal and is a an amazing thing to do a lot of people take the deploy scramblers secondary objective which to clarify is perform a action in your deployment, in the middle ground, and in the opponent's deployment. And oh, yeah. it's very, very doable with a unit to drop in and deploy those scramblers. You can usually have a unit, just do it in your own territory, no trouble, run it up a bit and do it in the middle. That's that's not going to be a struggle all the time. But getting to the yeah. opponent's deployment often can be.
1: So Yes, yeah. if they're screened well or if they're running a horde army, it can be very difficult to wade through those bodies to get there exactly do- sometimes maybe
0: even the, the middle one or something depending how the game ends up going you can only do one a turn so maybe you choose to get the middle one first turn or something instead but however it ends up going somewhere just being able to drop in that unit and get them just it's it's often the difference between succeeding and not succeeding with your deployed scramblers. Yeah, well, or a different objective, if you want to go for that one. I think pretty yes. much, in the case of Deloitte Scramblers, you're pretty much guaranteed to succeed with it if you have a unit set aside in reserve that you will use for that.
1: Yep. Even if it dies Effect- horribly, it's 10 victory points. Effectively, the what we're trying to say here is if there's anything that requires you to get into a uh, specific position to do some kind of objective, it, it, yeah, tactical reserves are an absolutely fantastic
0: way of doing that. Absolutely. And... Yeah, I mean, not not even just an action for a secondary, but it could it could eat, it could also be a primary. If you if there's a, a vulnerable primary, you could bring it in, take the primary, and that will deny them points. If you manage to hold it, then even better, you've got yourself some off their back objective.
1: Yeah, see, I didn't even I didn't even consider that. Well, I think you you, you mentioned there. it when you said like
0: reinforcing a point that needs it with Vanguard vets that type deal. Um, Because we're still hitting on the same point, like directly getting victory points by bringing something in in a place where they're good.
1: Yes, yes, that's
0: that's basically what I'm going on about. So, point number two: just get victory points, bring them on in a good place, immediate victory points. Yay, easy. That's how you win the game. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you kill. I regularly win games where I've been tabled, (laughs) so I say regularly, like you know, it's, it's it's not it's not uncommon, it's not unheard of. So, get the victory points. You should always your your first and foremost thought should be. How am I getting these victory points? How am I denying this to my opponent? The third use um, is one that you definitely mentioned hard. It's, in some scenarios, killing something that's of really high value to the opponent.
1: So, what I meant by that is, like, if, say, you had some kind of artillery piece, like, I don't know, you did really well with a, what was it, a mech gun? I think think a mech gun's still... It's a poor poor example, but if you've got something in the back line, or something in an awkward position that you really need to die... You can just drop some units in, um, a unit in nearby, and take it out. as you know, I'd say... Like I I don't use many mech guns, <laughs>
0: because they're very powerful, and I don't like taking something like that to the table, but in the case of someone who did use a unit of six mech guns, if you did come in and charge and kill a lot of those, then at that point, then yeah, you're absolutely killing like a big, killy asset of the opponent's. And If you charged, like I know you take your predator sometimes. If you get that predator and it's gone, or if the opponent has like a plague burst crawler or something like that, or
1: a shooty dreadnought, or you know, or or score any any of that kind of backline shooty unit, Mm -hmm. yeah, you can just drop in. Say in my case, it would be something like a load of assault marines with power weapons, and they could just tank it, and uh, that would be you know mm-hmm. a quick effective way of getting rid of that plus you'd have a unit on the enemy's back line I was
0: yeah I was strategizing about the the nigh unkillable dreadnought that I was talking about like oh I hate it as an not player. it's so hard to deal with a, a levy or a, a telemon yeah any of those yeah you'd have to go and deal with it because it's shooting will just take a unit off every single turn But if you go and try and deal with it, they just one hit whatever you hit it with. So, like, it's it's so difficult to deal with. And we were talking about the warboss on bike in this specific case as a possible solution. And if they screen it out from the front, one thing you might be able to do is just get him behind, using tactical reserves or something, and then you'll kill him. You'll get that dreadnought because the warboss on bike is a phenomenal, crazy option right now. Maybe I'll talk about that in detail another time with like orc strategizing. But so that's you know that's an option. It's you've beaten that awful scenario. By using the strategic reserves to be able to get them. I think that beyond those three, which was survival, victory points, and kill big thing, kill big thing is the one that people get carried away with too often. If you have the option of getting victory points or taking a kill, you should get the victory points. But uh, uh,
1: yeah, I will agree to an extent. If killing the big thing is going to allow you to get more victory points later on, like yeah. by stopping it from killing your stuff then it can be worth going for the big thing. it Yeah, I, I agree with you though, for the most part, for
0: the, you're you're right, there are exceptions, but for the most part, it's worth taking the victory points. Yeah. The next thing I wanted to talk about in terms of like tricks and tips, and this really is sort of under the tricks section, um, is making the most out of your additional movement in the combat phase. It's yes. it's something that like as a casual player, you can kind of just forget exists, like really easily. You can think, right, I've made my charge, we're done, I like, sit there and fight. But yep. there's there's quite a few situations that let you move, and you can move quite a bit with your, with your models in the combat phase. And this might be in order to tag and engage another unit. This might be to get further up the board so you can fight something else later. This might be to get further onto an objective. There's quite a lot of reasons you'd want to move further, but a lot of the things we've been talking about so far are just about positioning where you are. So obviously, a bit of extra movement makes a big deal. And those things are firstly piling in, and consolidating and heroic interventions. Let's think about some of the, the movements that you can make to get the most out of it. Yeah, so- um, uh... I'll, I'll make an example, right? Because uh, okay. we're, I'll make an example. So when you've charged, in the case of, say, a split charge, let's say I were to throw 10 boys into two units of Guardsmen and hope that i would kill, like, uh, t- 10 boys, might or 20 boys, say, I've used. Might be a waste against one unit of Guardsmen. But, yeah. so, bam, I, I roll poorly, let's say. I don't do as well as i hoped. And I kill a couple of guardsmen in each unit. It's, it's not gone very well for me. One thing I can do is use my Consolidate, or uh, I think a better, a better scenario is say, say I threw a single model, so like a character, or a vehicle or two units or something. What you can do is you can then consolidate further round so long as you're still closer to, to the nearest unit. So if I was, what uh, like almost one inch from one unit and half an inch from the other unit the one that I'm half an inch to I could move around to the side into base contact with so I am closer I'm now touching them instead of being half an inch yep and I'm now around to the side but because I've moved around now that means that one of the two guard units aren't engaged so they won't be able to fight back with one of those two guard units yes okay I see what you mean so that's one example or it could be a case of (laughs) moving further up onto an objective with my models. So if it was, I, earlier I spoke about charging with boys, if it was 10 boys against 10 guard and, or even four boys, cause some of them were killed against 10 guard. And I managed to kill a few of those and, you know, and two of my boys are in the objective being upset. That's not enough. So then I can use my consolidate move. Cause you now get consolidation after every combat. It's not only when you finish a unit off completely, you get it all the time. After you fight, you consolidate. So I can move those up and get more boys on the point which will make all the difference when it's when you're like, oh, who's got more left in their unit? That's absolutely a big deal. Yes, absolutely. And so. heroic inter- interventions are a somewhat similar deal. <laughs> you can <laughs> make the most of them. Don't be hesitant. Just throw your character in and punch
1: them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you've got to remember that whilst you've got a uh, character in there, they're not going to be getting shot is <laughs> another thing to bear in mind. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sorry, I've, I've got a lot to say, say about this one There's not a lot to say
0: really at the end of the day is there? There's not like loads of scenarios um, that I talk about You can often use these moves to get, if, if you're throwing large units of guys, so you use 20 Crusaders per se, then you want to get more of your say, cru- <laughs> Crusader squad, so like um, Templar, Space Marines Yep, yep. I, I'm sure so, there's lots of things called Crusaders in this game But oh, so. in this case you want as many of them in combat as possible and especially when you're using models in 32s or bigger, um, you're mm. sort of locked out. You can only get two rows of guys in combat. So one thing you can do is move around the enemy. You can move the ones at the front. Don't put them in base contact, meaning that you can move slightly closer. So you can go from three quarters of an inch to half an inch
1: <laughs>
0: uh, as you move around them. And then you get... And then you get more guys in. And if you manage to surround them, then they'll have to use the breakout strat and you drain their CP if they want to retreat.
1: Yes. So, yeah.
0: Where like try pointing a unit so they're not allowed to retreat used to be a kind of dirty tactic. And I think now they've made the breakout stratagem, it's it's more standard. It's kind of the point. You're, you know, it's deliberately there for people to use and make the most of. So, that's another thing that's worth pointing out. You can envelop enemy units. Yes. Kind of like reverse bubble wrapping. Very, very very violent (laughs) bubble-wrapping. Violently bubble-wrap the enemy units so they can't get away and you get as many (laughs) bodies in as possible. There isn't tons to say about movement in combat, but make the most of it. That's really what you want.
1: If you you can move towards something that you need to move towards, do it. Just abuse it. Mm That will be, you know...
0: Later on, I'll talk about stratagems, but fight again is another option. So if you manage to consolidate into another unit, then
1: you have the option of fight again. I've got a very, very painful example of that. Um, <laughs> yeah, we do. managed <laughs> to get his uh, warboss Daryl onto my back line, and he crumped my dreadnought, and because I was a moron, I positioned my next to the, uh, predator. Um, don't ask me why I did that, it was a silly thing to do. But anyway, he uh, consolidated into my predator, killed the dreadnought, and then immediately used the fight again for, um, stratagem, and just wiped about Three hundred points of Space Marine models off the board in one turn for what two CP and like maybe a wound? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> was,
0: so but, yeah, I just made a very big chargey attack with my with my uh, war boss who had all the biggest boss and relics and everything, and he just killed a lot of backline, but but tough, durable, strong units. The Dreadnought and the Predator in one go from that that combo of using the movement and then fight again. Yeah, so. <laughs> Not pleasant, but... And I'm sure you could do that with any killy character or unit. (laughs) You know, that could have been anyone. Could have been Terminator or Rorks or a Space Marine or anything. So, big deal at the end of the day. So make the most of that. Yes. Now, the next little tip we're going to talk about is making the most of your aura abilities and trying to limit your opponents. Indeed. I know you had a few things to say about that, so I'll let you take the lead on this one.
1: Oh, Oh, God, did I... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, a lot of a lot of units will have, or some units will have, uh, aura abilities. So it'll be things like uh, chaplains—you get your litanies, and you get uh, things like morale boosts and taking away morale boosts from your enemies, and um, some of your abilities will have rangers. So what I really mean by this is positioning your support characters and support units in places where you can influence as many. For instance, if you've got one that gives a six-inch bubble of extra combat or, you know, plus one to hit in combat or whatever, uh, you're going to have to make sure that you keep this unit within useful range of your combat units.
0: Yeah, well, the, the really big example is Captain and Lieutenant, right? You re-roll your ones to hit and wound. Oh. So, quite simply, <laughs> get on as many units as possible, right?
1: Yes. So, also, this is going to... It almost leads to a little bit of castling, but that's not so bad in this edition anyway. So, yeah, it's, it's just... Just about making sure you've got your characters on the front line where they're needed, making sure that you know you keep in mind how far their aura abilities are, don't let anything stray too far from the pack, so that everything or as much as possible is getting those abilities. Now, you can enhance this. I know for Space Marines, you get certain relics that will increase the range of your aura abilities, and I suspect for a lot of other factions, you get certain uh, relics and yeah. What's the other one? Uh, <laughs> Warlord traits. That's yeah. the one. Warlord and things like that that will increase your. It's always worth taking them if they're going to be a large focus in your army. Um, again, another example. If you're running Templars, your chaplains are going to be very important. So it's quite nice to take as many aura ability buffs as you can on them so you can influence as large a portion of the battlefield as possible. I mean, I just want to point out that if you
0: had sort of your captain with a unit who goes off to do some fighting he's basically only going to benefit that unit. If you have your captain put deliberately in a very central position on the board, then, and you, like you say, if you decide to take... I don't think it's necessarily one of the best options for every army, but for at least some armies, it's a really good option to expand those bubbles. And if you manage to get yourself, say... I mean, obviously they vary anyway, but if it's a six-inch ability to start with and you make it, say, nine, or if it's nine and you make it 12... Or even if it's a 12-inch ability and you make it 15 or something, like <laughs> then you consider the, the diameter of that radius doubling. You actually have a yes. bubble. So say it's, say it's a 6-inch aura, which is pretty normal, and you make it 9. Then you double that up. You've got an 18-inch wide bubble where all your stuff is receiving a significant bonus in this game. And if you plonk that in the middle of the board, that's quite a
1: big deal. Particularly on smaller and thinner maps, that's going to be affecting most of it's, your army. It's
0: less of a deal in normal two thousand points games, but especially a thousand points, you can near enough cover the like the whole board. <laughs> like and uh, absolutely not, but for all in terms like terms and purposes, you can get near enough your whole army in it. Yes. Like you say, if you if you keep them with the troops in the right place, you keep them moving up, you keep them in the middle of everything, you can just about get a backline unit in that loop at the back and then get your frontline unit pushing in front of them and then some normal sort of midline units in the bubble as well and you just get everyone getting benefits out of it.
1: Yeah, so it's very important to position these guys as well as possible. Uh, on the flip side, you can get some units that uh, debuff or... Sorry, I'm not speaking very well So You can get some units that debuff your enemies' units, things like... Dealing with enemy aura bonuses is difficult. Like, it's really
0: difficult. Because, like you say, castling... Castling can be weak for some reasons, but it's also really strong because of the game of trades I was talking about. You want to trade for one of the units in that castle, then the rest of the castle will destroy you. So it can be really difficult to deal with enemy aura buffs and bonuses and castling. And... Yeah, let's talk about some of the methods of turning off your opponent's auras and stopping
1: them from doing that stuff. Yeah, so a really, or a quite specific but quite big one, is things like Deny the Witch Tests. If you've got a Psyker that is casting psychic abilities, that is buffing your enemy's army, it's quite important to have some kind of Deny the Witch in there so you can just stop these things from happening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's that's a very good point. If your opponent is using Psykers and you have a Psyker, I know it's not always optional. <laughs> not everyone gets psychics at all, and not everyone has good psychic options. But if you are running a psychic in your list, you can often run in, jump in, make the most of—not maybe not like full-on melee and assault the castle properly—but get in range of, in a safe position to make those deny the witch tests. Because if you turn off some of those buffs, it's gonna be—it's gonna make taking down that castle so much easier.
1: Yes, absolutely. And they don't necessarily have to be psychics on your part. I mean, things like marines have um, chaplains get deny the witch guard, I think you can get some specific units that have deny the witch. Mm-hmm. A lot of the Imperium ones, they're not necessarily psychos that are going to be doing that.
0: There are you're right, there are a few examples where you can just have Deny the Witch on normal units as well. So handy. Another another method of disrupting their <laughs> disrupting, sorry, their aura buffs and bonuses. Is I've found mortal wound bombs. Partially that's just because an orc player, and we have the amazing strategy that is the burner bomber dive bombing the enemy castle. <laughs> and so, to explain exactly what that strategy is, we have a plane in the sky that's a burner bomber, and we have a stratagem that's the plane immediately crashes and burns and explodes. So, it just triggers the explodes rule. And you lose the flyer, obviously. So, I'm paying 100 and however many points to do this. But if you've got two, maybe three characters and another two or three units in the bubbles, so we've got six units all there together, and I just crash and burn and do. Is it? I think it's a flat three mortal wounds to every single one of those units. Oh my god! So- I've done twenty mortal wounds to to their whole castle, and their whole castle immediately is just smashed and crumbled and is falling apart. And some people were ludicrous enough to take like two of those. So if you if you doubled up on that, (laughs) turn one I do it. Turn two, you know, you've got to start splitting up and running away from each other and totally break up the castle, or they're all just dead.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I had no idea that existed. I'm terrible. Well, it's
0: I mean, realistically, it's not actually that strong because as soon as anyone's ever heard of that or seen it done once or something, then they go, "Oh, look, the opponent has a burner bomber. I'm not putting my guys in a castle." But like we said. then just by taking the Burner Bomber, you've made the opponent spread out. They're not getting all their aura buffs.
1: Yeah, you're stopping them from doing what they want to do. You're controlling what they're doing, basically. You're controlling their
0: deployment, basically, by just including that unit in your army. And it doesn't have to be the Burner Bomber. I know there are some other examples. Things like if you've got some units that are good at exploding... In general, I'm sure that it's not just orcs that have good exploding units. For instance, if you've got like a a, a knight that's dying in Imperial Knights army, and it's like, well, he's only got a couple of wounds left, he's going to go down anyway. Then throw him wholeheartedly into the center of their thing, make him explode, and then it'll do D6 mortal wounds to all of them. Or, you know, there's other orc buggies that j- explode on a four up, which is a bit better, and they do like D3 mortal wounds to everything. So you can just sacrifice them in, in a similar way, or and maybe some psychic powers that deal mortal wounds to everything, which usually is quite weak, because you want your mortal wounds in one specific spot. But when they're like clustering everything together, it makes an area where they're a bit more vulnerable to these widespread mortal wound things.
1: Another quite useful thing for taking out support characters more than stopping area-of-effect abilities. Snipers. Having something that you can reach out and take out a support character with is going to be quite useful. I absolutely agree.
0: (laughs) Snipers have... Seen, they were they were pretty terrible at the beginning. They really struggled to take down a character. They take most of the game, but they would bring it down. And then snipers sort of seem to seem to have buffs all over the place. And now space marine snipers are just phenomenal and we're just one-hit characters. And now we're seeing sort of a resurgence in some units having the abilities that like you just aren't allowed to ever target a character when they're nearby, not even if you're a sniper and things. I think on like Death would say. And maybe we'll see that on some other units and things. So snipers but to summarize, basically, yeah, snipers are really good. You can just take out that character that provides the aura buff, and then people like sticking together no longer have any bonuses for that. They're just badly deployed at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah. So snipers are going to be very useful for primarily taking out support characters if we're honest. If it's going for some more of a fighty character, they're generally going to be more tough and withstand sniper bolts a bit more, but you can definitely get a lot of you know, you can make your points back on snipers. If you just aim for support characters. I mean to start with, yeah.
0: Like if you're going for my war boss, it might be a bit of a struggle, depending on which war boss I bring, like a mega Ramadhan or something could be a pain. Or a mega mech or something could be a nightmare with the four sort of things. But then if you like if you fire it just like a pain boy who's supporting somewhere, he's got four wounds and a six up save, and that's it.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, he is <laughs> Like he, he just
0: dies immediately. So and like a lot of guard characters just die, and a lot of sisters characters you can just snipe out. And if if you're taking one of the stronger sniper units in the game. So, for example, say you've got some Transauraic Arquebuses for the Deptus Mechanicus. They're, they're strong. They will take Space Marines down. Or the Eliminators will are equally strong. They will just take down big, tough Space Marine characters with, with no real
1: trouble. <laughs> no, as long as you don't roll like crap, you, you are going to be taking out characters fairly regularly, or at least weakening them to the point where your enemy is, or your opponent I should say, is uh, wondering about you know, where to put them trying to hide them again yeah yeah again you are controlling what they're doing with their units
0: it's yeah so there are definitely ways to interrupt their abilities snipe out those characters deny their powers and again and also ways of like influencing their deployment it's it's any ways that you can make them branch out and split up if you kill off their only unit able to sort of get to this point then they have no choice but to send another one otherwise they just give you the objective game and you win (laughs) so if you kill off certain things or even having these deep strikers I was talking about if if they know you've got a good unit in deep strike then they know they want to screen it out then they have to spread out their troops they have to cover these areas that you can deep strike into so you don't get a a big nasty deep strike move and
1: then their castle's
0: broken up for all these reasons castles are not as strong as they were And you can you can definitely beat them.
1: Yeah. No, as I say, I'm i very happy to see that because castles is just a boring way of playing.
0: Yeah, just do dumping all your spot all your guys in one spot is a is not is often not gonna make a very fun game, just sitting there with the guys in the corner and shooting. It's, it's at you are <laughs> <on. laughs> Yeah, it can be a bit boring. So that's that's all I've got to say. Yep, but it's somewhat nothing. somewhat linked to our next point. Yeah. Um I wanted to talk about lookout serves. Lookout. Mm-hmm. Because Lookout Sirs have changed since last edition and it's always been a slightly sceptical rule that people have been abusing and using in different ways, but there are things you can do with it. Okay, well, if it's changed why don't you start off by defining what it is? So uh, (laughs) Lookout Fur Lookout Fur Lookout Sir is the simple rule that you cannot target an enemy character that is within three of a unit of more uh, three or more models or a vehicle, unless that Character is the closest unit and in line of sight. Right, but okay. there's, there's kind of a lot to break down there, right? there's I, Even simply stating the rule took me a little bit out of time. So to summarize, basically, you you can't shoot at enemy characters that have less than 10 wounds, I should say as well, that should have been in there. Um, so, oh, yeah. so you make the most of this, right? You should be aware that you can use this to keep a character very safe and put them late game, deep into the enemy ranks and make like a lot of damage and deal a lot of hurt to some of their big units and things. And take, for example, the, the new high Abyss, she's horrible, right? She halves all incoming damage. She has really nasty weapons, really good aura bonuses. And if like, unless you really muck up because of this rule, you shouldn't be able to shoot her at all
1: until she's deep in your ranks, killing your stuff. (laughs) Again, this leads back to what we were talking earlier about screening. You can effectively, and this is quite doable, you can effectively screen your units until they get right close to the enemy and can pull off a charge.
0: Yeah, exactly. So even my super vulnerable pain boy, or war boss that I was talking about earlier, snipers and things, to most armies that don't include snipers, if I just put them behind a good unit, then look out, sir, will immediately keep them safe all game until I'm right in the enemy's face and charge the enemy. That should be the first possible instance of them possibly dealing damage. But to be honest, we've not really said anything up until now. We've just defined how the rule works. So I do want to give some hints and tricks. And some of these are a bit dirtier, but there's something that you should at least be aware that your opponent could do or try and do and things. And right. to start with, one of the changes to this rule was that. You used to get this regardless, so long as you weren't the closest to the enemy. Now, you have to be nearby another unit. And yes, I for, for two reasons, this is important. Firstly, if it's in the case of a vehicle that you're nearby, certain anti-vehicle weapons can very efficiently eliminate a vehicle. If it's, for example, a mech gun that's next to my big mech with a shock attack gun or something, Again, I'm using Orcs because I'm currently on a big Orc high. But, you know, you can take a Mech Gun down with virtually no effort. A couple of las Guns, or even one las Cannon, bam, the Mech Gun's gone. And now my big Mech, you can kill, because there's nothing nearby. And in the case of troops, troops are a lot better for giving you and the opponent the lookout, sir. However, this is one of the rare cases where super elite infantry are kind of in a bit more of a vulnerable position. Because, for example, Custodes... If you've got units of three custodians, which is often the way they run, you've got three custodians next to your leader. You actually only have to kill one custode, and then you can shoot that character.
1: Okay. Yeah. Plain and simple. I, I ha- hadn't considered that before. That is uh, quite a quite a significant thing. Mm.
0: It's very or in terminators and things, or any like small five man unit. And in some cases, this is very relevant because some elite infantry or five man units are like glass cannon type deal. If I've got, let's say, boss Zagstruck with some Storm Boys, if I've only taken like five or ten Storm Boys, they're only like six up save orc boy infantry. You could easily mulch. If I'm if I'm silly enough to do it with five, you can kill three of those with like a click of your fingers oh yeah (laughs) right yeah Uh, a couple of las guns or one basic like a few shots from intercessors those those boys are gone or even if it's 10 you take it down to two left or less then the character's targetable so it's so first of all look out for where their characters they think are safe but actually it won't take that much firepower to make them vulnerable yeah like plain and simple the, the lookout server rule is nowhere near as strong as it used to be and running yep. around playing but, hero hammer with ha- like heroes running off to grab objectives alone and things, you now just you can just destroy them with a bit of firepower. So yeah.
1: So yeah, there's a, quite a lot to uh, quite a lot of positioning and quite a lot to think about with both the taking out characters and using the lookout so sort of rule to keep your own characters alive is a lot more in depth than it used to be.
0: There's definitely a little bit more thought going on than there used to be. Yeah, absolutely. And other things that you should be wary of is that the line of sight rules uh, are very relevant for these rulings. You need to have line of sight on a character to shoot them. So if your character's sitting out in the middle of nowhere and is eligible as a target, you still can't shoot them with something that doesn't require line of sight. Something like the mortar units or an exorcist or a a death strike or manticore. Yeah, yeah. So these things that can fire without line of sight, if they want to shoot a character, they still need line of sight.
1: Uh, okay. So if your opponent,
0: if you're like, oh no, that Manticore might get me, not if it's behind a building, mate. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> you're okay. Or you know, so long as it's not a building, they can fly through by touching or whatever. So that's something that you should think about. And also, in order to get the lookout serval, you do not need the opponent to have line of sight to your infantry unit or even vehicle unit that's giving the li- giving the lookout sir. If that makes sense. Uh, All right, I'm going to outline a really nasty situation, which will make this point really obvious uh, and you'll understand it immediately. So, let's say towards the end of the game, you've got uh, like a few space marines. It doesn't matter which ones, but you've got a few space marines left. And I've got Ah. all I've got left is an orc war boss, a mob of orcs, and then one knob who you killed like the squad of. Right. So, what I could do is I can have my war Warboss, outside of a building, pretty close, 12, 18 inches away from your Marines. And I could have the Orc Knob, who was... Like, the rest of his squad is killed. So he's just, like, one guy left. He's not really going to do much. He'd probably just, like, overwatch him and finish him off if he tries to charge you or something. The best thing he can do is go for an objective or something at this point. But... So there's this guy... Or do an action, maybe, or something. But this guy, I can place him so he is out of line of sight, but closer to your unit than the Warboss.
1: Okay. Yeah. 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 So,
0: with you. and that fulfills the requirement of the war boss being not the closest unit to you. And obviously, if and, and let's say in this case, my other unit of boys, let's say they're the other side of the of a wall to the war boss and within three. Oh, that would make the, him not targetable again. It's because if there's just the knob, that's like the other side of your space marines or something like flanking, then you can still target the war boss because there's nothing nearby. But. If, I, so if, I put, if I've put if i got my boys squad hiding behind a wall, then they're close enough to him. And because of the knob that you also can't see, then that fulfills the other requirement of him being not closest. So at the end of the day, that means that actually none of the units in my whole army are eligible for you to shoot her. Or that I just described. You're not allowed to shoot okay. because you can't see the knob of the boys and the war boss fulfills the requirements of not being closest and being within three of a unit. I see what you mean. That is a horrible situation. It's, it's, I, I think it's something like on that scale is very rude to do if you're playing like casual warhammer. It's like nah, you're you're taking it a bit far. That's a bit of a douchebag move. But especially for tournament it players, it's it's very legal. It's something that people do constantly, or and even one or the other of those things. It can be a case of the unit within three is closer and out of line of sight, meaning you can't target the character. It's horrible. I, I don't like. Or whatever. Um, yeah, so it basically just means deny them shooting. I, I really don't. Like, that. with with positioning. It's nasty, it's really horrible, and I think it's a flaw in the rules. I don't think that should be fair. If you can see something, and the only thing you can see is a character, you should absolutely be able to shoot that character. Yeah, I totally agree with you. But it's, current rules, <laughs> yeah, it's just, uh, that. like I say, this is something you should be aware of. This is That's probably the nastiest thing that I'll bring up, and the least fair thing <laughs> that people do, um I, I wouldn't be doing that in a casual scenario, but, but it's something be aware of it. Yeah, it. Be aware of it and be aware of how those rules work. Yes. Is what I'll say.
1: Okay. Right. Do you have anything else to say about the look up to the rules?
0: Not at all. That was it. I basically wanted to bring up exactly how it works and understanding that. Because a lot of people get it wrong to start with. And um a lot of people also are like, Oh, well, that's kind of unfair. <laughs> and it is. <laughs> so don't let don't let people catch you out with it. Yeah.
1: Okay, so next we have uh, the Interrupt, Fight Again, and Overwatch uh, stratagems. Yeah, yeah. Let's quickly go over what they are. They are pretty self-explanatory. So Interrupt is during your enemies or during your opponent's or after they've charged. After the first unit has attacked or done combat, you can do this two-point stratagem. It's a generic stratagem. Everybody gets it. And you can then immediately pick one. So you can kind of circumnavigate the charge thing. So, just as an example, uh, Ben, for instance, has just charged three units into my dreadnought. We'll go with that.
0: And this is this is very realistic. Let's say that I have a transport with a warboss and some boys. The warboss and boys jump out and charge, and then I put the transport that's like a fighty vehicle into you as well. So there you go, three units. Yep.
1: So. That's very doable. oh yeah, <laughs> so Ben might attack me with the war boss first. He nearly kills my dreadnought, but doesn't. And then I would go, all right, I'm gonna pop this stratagem and let my dreadnought fight before he dies, and I might kill off a unit or you know kill the war boss or whatever. whatever I kill. The point is you can get one unit to fight before everything else that's charged.
0: and in honesty, it doesn't even to get like a lot out of this stratagem, you don't even need three units to charge a unit. You could even have, my war boss has charged a Dreadnought Over here, and over the under, other end of the battlefield, on an objective, my ten man boys squad has jumped out of a truck and charged some of your intercessors.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it doesn't happen.
0: Be... Now you won't be able to, yeah, you won't be able to stop me from attacking with that war boss. But if you just do nothing, the boys will kill the intercessors, and then I'll hold that objective, which is a big deal, loads of command points. But if you interrupt with the intercessors, then intercessors still pack a nasty punch. You'll kill the boys. Yeah you'll hold the objective. Even if you don't, and you'll get a victory point. You boys. will
1: probably weaken them to the point where they can't push you off the objective.
0: Yeah, you'll easily like I think the last time I charged the last time exactly this happened, the last time someone interrupted me and then punched my boys with some space marine intercessors, I lost eight orc boys at the top. Just they're bolt gun intercessors. No combat weapons, no nothing. It was a full squad of ten, and then they just go, no thanks. Dead. (laughs) Killed eight of the ten, and then it's very likely that the last one of those last two will run from failing the leadership. And you've got one, and then you've got a chance of that last one running or not.
1: Yeah,
0: like there's a one third chance of him fleeing as well. Yeah. So looking good for you at that point. So yeah, basically at that point you've spent two CP, which is important. But let's let's consider the fact that by spending those CPs, you've hold that objective. So, you've not only denied me some, mm-hmm. you, but you've kept your unit alive. Yep. And you've given yourself CP, uh, VPs, was I saying CP, uh, victory points by holding the objective yourself. So, you've kept it and you've got, at the beginning of your turn, more victory points. Yes. So, and that's just using intercessors. They're not even a, a, the most fighty unit, combat unit in the unit, game.
1: Yeah, you could do it with something like, I don't know, um, Vanguard Vets or. Um a knob squad or literally anything. assault
0: intercessors or assault marines
1: or <laughs>
0: Terminators or anything, right? Oh yeah, you can do
1: it with literally anything and it's gonna be effective.
0: Not literally anything, Whoa. like there obviously are shooting only units that <laughs> just aren't worth doing it. Grot with. it
1: probably wouldn't be particularly effective, but then again Yeah. If if
0: consider if you're
1: actually gonna make enough of an impact. Yeah. But it's still yeah. quite yeah. a lot. That's a decent point or decent
0: investment. And... I'll say the re- one of the reasons this is so effective is if you have a durable unit that has big melee damage. This is a massive, massive deal. Yes. If it's the case of a dreadnought of any variety with a melee weapon, or an imperial knight, or a, a character that's durable enough to survive an initial hit or something that's like nasty, so like a Primarch or something, then you've that basically makes them it makes me at least very reluctant to charge them because I know charging them with one thing is never going to kill it, right? So sure, I can go in and charge you with one thing and then you just slap it back and kill it. Yes. If I charge with two things, then the one that I don't attack with, you just kill. Yes. So there's no using that using that um, interrupt strategy. So there's almost no point me charging that unit at all. <laughs> right? Yeah. If I charge you with the war boss and the boys... And then I attack with the, or with the knobs. Say let's try or mega knobs. Let's try and have a realistic chance of killing this. I charge you with the warbus and the mega knobs. Warms attacks, then you interrupt and kill the mega knobs. <laughs> like why did I bother? Almost you know what I mean? It's very predictable. I knew it was coming. So it makes me very reluctant to charge your stuff, and then I'm not draining your CPs and it's like uh, you know so just remember that this interrupt stratagem is it's so simple
1: and everyone gets it but it's a really really big deal yes it can very easily yeah, win you a combat or even win you the game in some extremist circumstances
0: oh it absolutely can no doubt yeah it's a really really important thing yeah earlier on we were talking about fighting last abilities with, with the New York character and this is why that ability I know we're sad about monsters but if it's a monster then great it's just so strong it's so so strong oh yeah you just make them go last. <laughs> they charge into you and you go, uh, no thanks.
1: Yeah. I'll kill you. Although, Bam. You're dead. Something that you should bear in mind you can see how many CPs your opponent has. So if you see that they've got one, mm-hmm. they've got two and you suspect that they're gonna do something else with it, then it is you know, you can risk it. Um it's not...
0: Yeah, if if they if they have no CPs anymore, you're safe. It's not like
1: <laughs> yeah, don't charge anything because You'll probably die. That's that's not it at all. Absolutely, yeah, yeah.
0: It's it's definitely not that scenario. And obviously, also, you always get the first unit you charge with, or almost. There's one exception, but forget it. So you you if you're charging with a unit, you always get to hit them first with something. Yeah, it's just other units where they're so durable that you can't kill it with one unit. Yeah, right. So it's like, in the, like say for example, Gazgul. It's like he's, he's a perfect example. It's physically impossible to kill him if he's got more than four wounds at the start of the fight phase, right? Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, you charging, you know, he can't die. It's, it's very, if you're going to do the four wounds, then you know it, then you're not going to charge a second unit. But if you're like, I want to guarantee I do those wounds and you put a second unit in, Gaz can just interrupt and butcher them before they get a chance. Uh-huh. And Like, all armies have these durable units that that are very, very good at interrupting. I think knights are probably the best at this, (laughs) because you know you have to charge from multiple units to try and get wounds in and things, and then you just say, no, dead. Yeah, nah, nah. No thanks, kills a unit. Exactly. So interrupt is massive. And I wanted to bring it up very briefly, because it's something so obvious even someone brand new to the game is is going to get this very quickly in their head but it's worth mentioning just use your rerolls never forget that you can reroll anything you want with a cp basically oh yeah yeah of course yeah
1: literally anything like i've used it to reroll lighthouse from a 1 and i ended up with a 6 or you might use it to reroll a charge roll or anything the difference between making a charge or not making a charge is huge it's
0: a really big deal Yep. Yeah. it's it's Way it's forth. taking that objective or not it's yeah. yeah. Or even just like an extra hit in terms of combat, like re rolling that extra hit that missed or wound that failed. Like, or on the other side, like re rolling an extra save. Sometimes if you die by one save and you're like, oh, okay, well, bam, now he doesn't die.
1: Yeah. And sometimes you'll have the CP left over and you don't really have anything else to spend it on. That's, you know, just so just how it is sometimes. It's always worth remembering that you can just re roll a dice roll.
0: That's That subject brings me beautifully onto the final, final kind of point um that's like fight again stuff in general is really strong and if you're ever left with um like spare cps so you're not certain what you're going to spend it on which i know a lot of armies want to have like have something specific in mind but say that unit dies or something and then you're like oh well i've got cps try and bear in mind that most factions or at least have a sub faction or something with a fight again ability Mm -hmm. Both the, the general three CP fight again that a lot of factions have and there's fight on death abilities uh, that a lot of things have. Yes, yeah. For in in the case of current orcs, it might change, but like, you know, you've got a two CP, fight or shoot when you die, or a three CP, just fight in general again. So, you know, if I go into your tank and don't kill it, or your character and don't kill it, then I can just spend some CPs and it's dead. Or like like we mentioned earlier, where I just sort of wombo comboed through your super powerful shooty yeah. stuff on the back. And Daryl just goes crazy, fights again, and does like twenty wounds to big tough vehicles in one turn and it just won me the game near enough. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: that, that made me quite sad that it was also awesome.
0: It's awesome and killy and like it's I don't think it's like overpowered or anything because you have to spend so many CP oh, to yeah. do it. like fight again. I've had a case where like Roberto Gilliman, when he was when he first came out, he was definitely a bit overpowered. <laughs> and knights were in a bad place. That was before they had their codex and knights were very weak. But I charged Gilliman with two knights and then he just said, "Ah, oh, I'll kill both <laughs> and he killed both knights and lived. And I was like, This is so un like unbelievably oh. like what <laughs> and but- the not get me wrong it was like it was ridiculous and thankfully like he's been toned down a bit and knights obviously got a bit stronger and things but just bear in mind that fight again exists and it's very strong and if if ever you're like oh i've got loads of cp i may as well do this thing remember that like well maybe like hold on to it don't do if you're like thinking for example the last the last see the last stratagem that i wanted to mention is overwatch yeah. and unfortunately this one was in a bit more of a negative Like, it's basically now
1: way way weaker. If you're thinking, oh, I might get a
0: wound out of this Overwatch, just don't
1: do yeah, it. Yeah, it's not, it's never well, no, I have <laughs> Oh yeah I no, it, last game I used it, it was very much one shot.
0: It can it can be good, right? It can there are times where if you're using a unit that is specifically very shooty. Yeah. So if I'm charging at like a unit full of multi-melters or a unit full of heavy bolters or something that's got loads of firepower. Or like if I'm charging at a night or something An example
1: like, of, of this from our last game, if you remember. You charged my Predator with uh, Daryl and I decided that I'd spend the Overwatch on it. And I managed to hit him with a Laska. Yeah. That,
0: that wasn't Overwatch, was it? No, that was when he'd bracketed you different games to the one where he went crazy, for the record. Yeah. Um, I, but I, th- he, I, I think he bracketed you and then, so you were hitting on fives, and then because you're also in close combat with the thing you're firing at, you were hitting on sixes, and you managed okay. to just shoot him with the last cannons.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay.
0: Never mind. I don't think it was an Overwatch, but for all intents and purposes, you had to hit on sixes. It may as well have
1: been Overwatch. I was going to say, the only difference is he wasn't. So, so it still stands up. Can, it's just the phase. You can sometimes clutch, like, really awesome moments. Um,
0: and sometimes it's even somewhat reliable. Like, if you've got automatic hit weapons mm-hmm. or. If you've got like such a, just a massive amount of firepower, yep. there was like at one point, like centurions would put out 50 something bullshit. Oh, yeah, that explode, they exploded on sixes. And if you've got rerolls on the ones and things, then it, it can <laughs> be really good. Or like
1: In some factions have better overwatch, like I think Talget, get but still overwatch.
0: yeah, yeah. Or if you're if. With this shooter unit, if you're in a defensible position, then you can hit on five. And yeah, any unit with defensible position can hit on fives on Overwatch. So there are times where Overwatch is good. But for the most part, when you find yourself in a situation where it's not the shootiest unit around, and you're just thinking, well, I don't know what I'm going to spend my CPs on. I might get a wound. It- that's when I say, no, <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You'll, you'll want that for other things. Yeah. And if it comes to it, like you've always got fight again for three CPs, which will do a wound. That <laughs> will do. <laughs> like, overwatch. Will. Or fight or shoot on death, or something like that. there's There are options. Know your stratagems really well, and you'll find
1: really good options for them. Yeah. Right, on that note, I don't think I have anything else to say about any of that.
0: Yeah, I think that's pretty much a close to our hints and tips for 40k. Yeah. For... I mean, it's it's fairly it's fairly mid tier level, I guess. It's it, there was not loads for like just beginners, and there was not loads for extreme meta players. But generally,
1: I feel like most people, there's
0: something in there that you can make the most of. Yeah,
1: this is, um, and you can learn you from. learn the ropes of the game. This is just you know using the uh, all of the mechanics to your advantage and just knowing about some things that some people might not know about.
0: Yeah, this is a time to celebrate the fact you can finally play games again, <laughs> and. Now, in these games, hopefully, you can try one or two of these tactics and and think about some of these things while you're playing your game and bring some more strategy to the tabletop. It's not. It's. I mean, it's still a lot about how you build your list, but how you build your list isn't necessarily just all that matters anymore. No,
1: there is a lot of lot more strategy and a lot more tactical nonsense that you need to be doing to you know
0: win. Yeah, yeah. So we think about all these things. Yep. Now we had. uh I previously mentioned mm-hmm. that we are changing the way that the whispers and the warp will work oh. and today we have our next whispers of the warp for you and we're going to briefly mention it but rather than going through every single last detail like we might have done with some of the other ones it's all all of that will be online it will be there for you to find and it put on social media maybe and you can play it and use it, but we figured that you know if you're playing and using these rules, you're probably not going to use them and listen to them in this format (laughs) each time you want to play the game. So we'll we'll briefly mention them and tell you maybe a couple of these rules and sort of bring some of the fun in so you know these are available. But like I said, from now on, it will be a quick mention and you can find everything properly online. Yes. So why don't you fill us in on a couple of the details. Give us a bit of a vibe. Right,
1: okay. So uh, following the Chaos God theme, uh, we are introducing the Cornate Carnage.
0: <laughs> That's cool. I love it. That's really good. <laughs> so, I love a bit of alliteration in there. It's good. It's well-themed. Yeah. I, I entirely support this. I love yeah. so, go for it.
1: A terrible rage sweeps the battlefield like a tsunami, claiming warriors of all walks of life to the mindless bloodlust of the Lord of Skulls. So this is going to be a, I wouldn't say standard game type. Um, you're going to have all your standard objectives you know, set out in a fairly standard way. As, as yep. we said, all of the details are going to be on our website. Um, but the basic idea of this one is that... So the main, the main point of this one is that each time a unit is destroyed, you mark down or record that that unit has been destroyed and then it comes back onto your table edge. So effectively you've got this m- mindless kind of meat grinder happening um, where every time something dies it comes back and then gets thrown back into the meat grinder. Um, and then also... There will be uh, another slight shall we say rage based mechanic in there but you're going to have to go onto the website to see that Uh, Not not spoil (laughs) everything but uh, well that's what we're going to leave you with Uh, No, so (laughs) yeah you might end up with a little bit of blue on blue potentially but uh, as I say you're going to have to look on the website Yeah Is there a
0: spicy crusade relic that can be picked up from winning this game? There will be okay. Well, um, this this sounds like good fun. I look forward to just sending in an endless meat grinder of units. I feel like this one might take a long time, oh. but it would be a very very fun game to try <laughs> on like a crazy crazy sort of like beer and chips, Warhammer evening. Just oh yeah, just have a mate round, have just like a stupid meat grinder fun game. That'd be really going to be
1: one that will particularly be excellent fun for things like chaos, obviously. Um, of course, guard orcs, any of those massed, you know huge you know, huge numbers of low...
0: Ridiculous meat grinder armies. <laughs> Large numbers of
1: low durability units be extraordinarily fun in this game.
0: Absolutely. Some of these units that aren't very durable and just die when you put them out a lot. Some, now you can make the most of those gloss cannons and they'll just keep coming back and keep murdering everything relentlessly. Oh. So you can not particularly care if your unit's durable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, just bring everything in yep
1: yeah, it's the very much going to be the classic grimdark 40k feel it's what we were going for
0: it sounds ridiculous and very fun <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to trying it out yes on that note I believe that is everything unless you've got something else to add yeah that's everything we have for today I think cool that's been, it's been a nice enjoyable time to record yep. and uh, we'll bring you the, the the full Admech news type deal separately at some point soon as well Yeah. but it's been a good episode and it's been lovely to have you back that again, Luke. We've missed you been here. Lovely
1: to be- <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been lovely to chat and uh, yeah. discuss some fantastic 40k things again. I hope you guys are listening have enjoyed it and see you yep, soon. We
1: will see you. In- Bye
0: from me. Goodbye.